Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of the most disappointing... I don't think we're calling the episode that. It's unclear, but it's our 2022 film wrap-up. I'm AJ, joined once again by Jeremy and Richard, and we're going to be going through the second half of 2022 and talking about what we thought of every single fucking movie that we saw. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but that week just flew by for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And once again, uh, if you check the show notes, there will be time codes for what we talk about and when we talk about it, just so if you want to avoid any spoilers, there won't necessarily be spoilers for every film we talk about, but I also don't want to delineate which ones will have spoilers and which ones don't. So maybe you've seen these films, maybe you haven't and don't care about spoilers, or maybe you are not listening right now and you You'll be really mad at us when we uh, spoil the end of uh, Give Me a Movie that we're going to talk Bullet about, train. Richard. Bullet Train. Um, I So le- jumping in uh, on the last week of June, um, mm-hmm. because AJ cut me off before I could, uh, we could <laughs> neatly wrap up uh, one half of the year. Uh, the Black You could have stopped me and we, ran, we were going over an hour. Listen, uh, you could have just said, let me do one more. I, you, you, you say that, but listen back, go back to listen to the tape last week. Not a second to jump in there. No, um, it was, and I'm, it was... I'm not really one to interrupt people. Yeah. Yeah, like I interrupted you to say that. Um, I yeah, the Black Phone. Uh, it's a nice sort of self-contained, good fun horror movie. Enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, missed this one. I wanted to see it, but yeah, no, it's, it's good. Ethan and I might good never get around to it. Yeah, well, one that uh, we you might get around to um, with uh, you know a bit of Oscar buzz is Minions: The Rise of Gru. <laughs> this movie is great. <laughs> I, I had such a good time with this. What? I don't believe you that you think it's great. I think I think like having a good time with something can be a separate <laughs> I th- Like Minions, I mean, there was the like gentle Minions meme and people would, you know, going into the cinema and so it's, but I think it's one of those things that like people were actually a little bit surprised by this film being like, hey, it's actually like not like kind of good or like it's, it, it despicable me is like, They've got pretty good gags, pretty good visual gags, mm. um, some good wordplay, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it. So I I am now on the cusp. Oh, no. True. I'm on the cusp, guys, of um, having to actually go to these movies for real again. Wow. Because um, my daughter, who is now almost three and a half... Wow. Um, where does the time go? ...has seen... She She now knows what a minion is. <laughs> and she oh, sees no. she's seen them on the like back of buses and she i don't think i don't necessarily she's like th- dad that looks fucking hilarious <laughs> dad what the fuck is this <laughs> take me to and see then- the yellow guy and the other day she like she pulled my suit out of the wardrobe no um but she <laughs> daddy I, take me to the so i don't want to hear you say the word daddy richard um, well, i just daddy, don't <laughs> um 
but yeah, so I I'm glad to hear that. Me this, say daddy. No, no, I'm yeah, glad yeah, to hear yeah. this this <laughs> oh, yeah. this version of um <laughs> this version of Minions is good because I probably will have to see it at some point. Um, yeah. but yeah, I, I'm just for just it's spoilers for future episodes of most anticipated and like a lot of my viewing is probably about in the next couple of years is about to become children's exclusively films. animated children's films. <laughs> there's, there's been a few good ones. This the year, the, the new honest. Gemma movie is yeah, going to yeah. become Ivy movie. Oh, nice, yeah. <laughs> That's a good evolution of that. Um, mm. It's funny. It's also my exposure just for the record of to Despicable Me as a franchise is I saw the first one in the cinema in year 13. Um, didn't see two and three. I've the first Minions movie. I was on a plane to Thailand um in 2015 and um you could pay i think ten dollars to unlock all films on the like you know console or you could pay eight dollars to unlock a single film so you know you just pay the ten dollars <laughs> the person like in front diagonally from no! Me, no! <laughs> bought minions and watched it twice <laughs> um like you know hours apart because it was like a 12 hour flight or whatever and so watch like once the start of the flight then had i think had a bit of a sleep and then went back to it again no. to try and see where she where she fell asleep. even the filmmaker of minions would not want that for her like- <laughs> yeah. um i on that same flight i watched uh fant four stick so i didn't have much better experience no. um Thor Love and Thunder, we've already done a podcast about this and Jeremy hasn't seen it, so there's mm. not um, too much to add other than, like, what's your knowledge of the film, Jeremy? That it was, like, Taika Waititi returning to the, like, returning to, like, his own vomit and eat, trying to eat it again. Yeah. <laughs> it is really interesting because Chris Evans, uh, Chris Hemsworth, sorry, has, like, he there was he was doing that, um, that show for Disney+, Plus, one of these, like, you know, sort of adrenaline shows, and he found out he had um the gene for like alzheimer's and um you know oh, yes. we'll probably develop it later in life and he's now sort of said he wants to take a little bit of a step back from acting and kind of you know do more important things with his life or make him more important films and it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens with thor now because he you know for the for the first two films it was like oh yeah just a paycheck this was his introduction to the world and then he got a bit of clout and was then able to be like actually you know i don't love playing this character anymore and then was like i just want to have fun with it and now it's like, well, does he want to make it important again? Like, um, and so, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it seems like, oh, you make the two boring Thor films, you make the two silly ones, and then yes, if Thor gets more, are they going to be more like old man Thor, like becoming Odin sort of thing? Mm. It's interesting because you said like maybe we don't need to talk about this because we did a whole podcast on it, but this this feels like the clear most disappointing film of twenty twenty two, right? Mm. Like, surely this is it. This is the, like, and this was something, like, that I didn't know was was a critical disappointment until I went to it, you know? So, mm. like, it was a, a full experience in, its, in itself to, like, reconcile with that. And I, maybe, yeah, maybe as, as, like, kind of cooled down on Marvel as I am these days anyway, this might mm. take the cake for most disappointing. Is this also, is 2022, like, Tyker's worst year ever? Just his stock's fallen a lot. Like, it just he's just really. Uh, he was in. He was in. Our flag means death, which was very popular. Yeah, but in terms of like that, that I feel like that's his stock returning back down to kind of where it was before 
Thor, mm. Love and, and also Thunder. That was before Love. Yeah, that was before Thor. Oh, sorry, sorry, before Thor three. Yeah. Um, uh, right. like you know when he was like sort of a New Zealand darling of like you know mm. quirky, funny things. Uh, not. I don't. I don't think so. I think. Um, I think I've certainly heard uh, shitty stories about who he is as a person. Yeah, in real he's life gotten and, a lot of flack like from that. um the Time Bandit series they're filming in Wellington at the moment. Um, and also just being a no oh, cat. Um, also just being like a. I don't know. I'm not. He's a New Zealander, so I feel like I can't say too much. <laughs> and the whole yeah. thing, the whole thing with him, like making fun of the visual effects yeah. for that Vanity Fair video and stuff like that. I don't think this. I think. I think plenty of directors have duds and and snap yeah, yeah. back easily and i think the only reason we're putting this under a, a larger lens is because it feels closer to home i guess um but like jojo rabbit was his film before mm. thor love and thunder and that's probably my favorite well, not probably definitely is my favorite yeah. taika waititi film so i don't know i think next goal wins his next film has just as much of a chance of being great as i don't know i'm not ready to write him off yet yeah uh, yeah i don't know like I, I think yeah like you say it's a new zealand thing as well but a tall poppy syndrome but the um it's funny as well for um storyline of of the year this was the after you know making a little bit of name for myself doing um reviews on the late news this was i, I got offered oh do you want to do it on like the primetime news and they'll like, oh well, you know next week Thor Love and Thunder comes out, so that'll be like a, a good one to be your first. I got COVID this week, so I, it was like a... I, I went in, Jess had got COVID, and then I went into the office, and I started feeling sick. I was like, on a Saturday, because it was when it was playing, and I was like, fuck, I know I have COVID. But anyway, I, um, I was then now cursed with like my first address to the nation on primetime, <laughs> was having to be like, oh, this Taika movie's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> This New Zealand darling I'm disappointed by. So anyway, The Grey Man came out on Netflix. Uh, none of us watched this. I don't know I don't know anyone who did. Now there's a director you could talk about their stock returning to where they were before. <laughs> yeah, the Russo brothers. <laughs> because the, the Russo brothers are, are careening back toward you, me, and Dupree cloud uh, <laughs> after, after Avengers Endgame. Because they have just directed, uh, you know, two movies in a row that allegedly aren't very good that i didn't see that uh and now they're making more gray man films apparently yeah. so <sighs> we the crawdad sing pause of fury legend of hank which was the blazing samurai um finally came out uh film that oh, i'm very came excited out? oh my god yeah was, yeah the blazing samurai was called pause of fury the legend of hank i never even heard about it i mm. never even saw a poster for it <laughs> One of my top films of the year, and this was one that I wanted to make sure you had, you and specifically Gemma had seen, um, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Oh. <laughs> what a good film. Oh, just a, this film exists in an entire different universe of film. Yeah. Like, it's just... What is going on? This movie, I agree with you, because this is a movie I would have never even heard of if it wasn't for Richard. <laughs> I didn't see it, though, so maybe don't spoil it. I don't know if I will no, see no, it. No, there's you nothing... There's literally, so good. I, I just literally, there is nothing I could spoil about this movie for you, because the, nothing about the enjoyment of this movie has anything to do with the plot. I thought it you'd is, be like, well, when Mrs. Harris dies at the end... <laughs> when she, she goes to paris so mm. to speak. when paris goes to her oh. um no like this movie is like 
after we watched it, Gemma was just like, oh, I just really enjoyed that movie. It just, something nice is always happening. Yeah. And that's the entire appeal of this movie. Mm. Like the, the, the actor who plays, um, is it Leslie Manville? Yeah. Um, who plays Mrs. Harris. She is lovely. The mm. character is written as a very lovely, lovely person who is kind and wonderful to everyone, has lots of gumption. Like mm. if you're, uh, I'm a massive fan of the holiday and I always think about like the, um, the screenwriter character in that, you know, he talks about how we, we used to write women with gumption. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she has lots of gumption. She's, you know, uh, down, you know, she's not in the best position of life, but she's still got a great attitude. And, you know, you just, she's plucky and you, you root for her and you want things to go well. And things generally do go really, really well for her constantly throughout the movie. Um, it's just, it's, it's that kind of film that I would say it's from the soap opera school of filmmaking where mm. there is something new happening every two minutes, you know? So like you can never that be sounds bored. like it's from the action movie school. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a similar kind of discipline, right? Like you just never let the wow. audience stop to, to, stop to, believing. to get, to get bored. Like there's never an opportunity mm. to get bored because if you don't like this scene, don't worry, wait for 20 seconds and something new will happen mm. and a new character will come in and do something that's like, there's no, like there's no God in the machine. Like it, literally the whole, there's no machine. It's just God the entire time, mm. just doing new things. Yeah, well, except God's not real, but um, <laughs> the, to, um, this is an atheist film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah is this in uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris? Um, just, yeah. No, th- yeah, this movie is such a delight. This was one, this was probably my biggest surprise for the year of just like, like you say, a film I would have never even heard of, but instead I spent a large portion of the year with waxing lyrical about this film <laughs> and telling people to go see it. Um, and I think this is what won me over for the boomers, the fucking one news audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, oh, he's nice, that Richard young man. Yeah, I wore my cable knit sweater in my review. But yeah, no, nah, it, it, it just it's just such a delight of a film. Like AJ, if you watch this, within the first five minutes of the movie you'll be like, oh, so then this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and you'll be right about all of it and you won't be disappointed by the end of the movie that you're right about all of it. Yeah, This is so funny. We would... We would not be talking about this movie on this podcast if, like, Richard happened to, like, go to a different supermarket one day, you know? Like, it's it's that close to not being in our periphery mm. at all that, like, a, a butterfly effect moment could have just wiped it from our comprehension. Yeah. I, I feel like the marketing machine for this movie was such that Richard could not have avoided to go, like, review this because yeah, they yeah. knew... Be- like, being a reviewer, like... Yeah, like but it, if I had gone to a supermarket at a different time and not reviewed the first one I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um but yeah, I, I actually like um I got offered an interview with Leslie Manville, um, but I was in the States. And it was one of those things that, you know, if they'd said like, Oh, do you want to interview I don't know, some a celebrity that or like about some movie that I'm like, hell yes. Um, I would have made it work, but I was just like, Oh, hey, I'm travelling, I can't guarantee where I'll be and time zones and all that. And um Biggest regret of your year. Then, then later on, they were like, hey, the rest of the cast is doing a junket if you want to jump on that. And I was like, you know, I'm always keen for them. So I jumped on it. They, I got sent a screener of the film. Um, and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, I fucking wish I'd made it work to interview Leslie Manville. <laughs> She's magical. Yeah. A film that which, um, bizarrely, I'm the only person that's seen is Nope. Jordan Peele's okay. film this year. No, I have seen it. Sorry. Well, actually, it's not marked on the uh, on the, the spreadsheet. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, well, it, that so dictates all. You don't, there, you don't get to talk about it then, AJ. Um, <laughs> you didn't green your little box, so you Wait, don't so get did, to talk about it. 
did Jeremy, did you not see this? Nope. Ah, oh, oh, dude. Does that mean you did or no? <laughs> dude, this, for, for a long time, I thought this would be my number one movie of the year. I thought it was so spectacular. I loved this movie. I think um, it's interesting, like, comparing it to Get Out uh, because it's like, it's they're so hard to compare so i don't know if i prefer which one i prefer but like i feel like i've seen without spoiling it i've seen things in nope that i feel like i've never seen in any other movie before that's just, awesome just this level of spectacle and like I, I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler but like the depiction of the thing in the in the movie the monster mm. or whatever you want to call it is so unique and original and uncanny and and terrifying and I, I think I think another thing I really enjoyed about this is like, and maybe this can be my storyline for the episode. Jeremy Richard's got like becoming a movie reviewer. Jeremy's got like standing on the precipice of having to only watch Minions movies and also playing I, I Candy saw, Crush. Yeah, yeah. I saw this movie and I understood it. Is that a is that an arrogant thing to say? Like I I got its themes. And then went home, read the Wikipedia page for it, and read everything I had already. So if like, you were, learned. if you knew the Navi, you could say, "I see you." To the I movie. see you. I, yeah. It's it's like I guess I guess what I'm saying is my. So, film so like literacy. if Jordan Peele was like, you know, Jordan Peele's talking about like why he made this film and the black experience in America, and you're like, yeah. dude, same. I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, no I'm totally, not saying it's... You don't need to explain it anymore. No, I get it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that I think my my film literacy is is getting better, and it's it, I just found didn't it like everything everywhere at once. <laughs> I did not like it. I said I'm gonna watch it again. Fuck up, Richard. <laughs> Fuck up. <laughs> Let me have my nice moment. I I applauded you when you when you said that like when you talked about how one film led to you becoming a reviewer. I've been nothing but supportive, and here I am trying to be like I enjoyed this movie because I read a lot into it. And you're like, not only are you stupid, but I'm gonna also imply you're fucking racist as well. <laughs> Incredibly, no, you're what? You're not racist. You're just white knighting it. <laughs> This is racist. Calling, <laughs> saying this is racist. <laughs> Continue, AJ. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, just having too much fun. You go. It's 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 just it was just a really fun experience to to watch a movie and like know what it was about. I yeah. mean, fuck it. Have those have those analyses confirmed by other critics. It was like, oh, cool. I'm not. I'm not just some idiot that goes to movies and doesn't know what it what I'm talking about. I guess. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I had heard a bit more of this from you, AJ, because I feel like it came out. I, I I heard about it coming out. I didn't know what the release week was, and then I never heard anything else about it all year. So I was just like, oh, right. apparently it's not that great. But then there was this really big long gulf in our Facebook Messenger chat, like for like a couple of months, where you guys did <laughs> not communicate with me, and I was like, have I done something really wrong? Oh, like, you had. <laughs> you yeah, had, yeah, but we're yeah. never going to tell you what it <laughs> we was. We don't want to bring it up on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, I loved it. I thought it was so good. Yeah. My, if I was to give it any criticism, I would say it's it's one of those uh, movies which uh, of the, the 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 new wave of audio mix where I can't really understand every <laughs> second line of dialogue. The Nolan mix, the yeah. the Nolan mix, um, and and I would like to rewatch it with subtitles. But I mean, when I look back on it, I can I remember the film fine. Mm. So well, that's also so the way knows? the the guy that plays the cinematographer speaks. It's just like the most yeah. insane like yeah, yeah 
talks like this but it's like yeah it's mm. weird um yeah i loved this film i i remember i saw this in imax and this was the first time i've been really like aware of the thing of like wow i'm i'm so glad that thing's over but it's still in the imax aspect ratio and i'm like it's not over it's not over it's come back <laughs> because you're still shooting this the shot in imax um and it's something else i was meant to be visually blown away by <laughs> yeah um but no i i this is another one of those films that it's like it, 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 even if and because this is like i know people that fucking hated this film and it's like, i can't even be bothered having the discussion to try and convince you because it's just like eh, it just didn't work for you like i mean mm. i got it i understood all the analysis like i do with sort of every film um, <laughs> <laughs> and i don't really need to like make a big deal about it <laughs> um <laughs> but it was i'm like, sorry aj on behalf of richard <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, but, no, because um, that was the that was the point you were trying to make. You were trying to me. get to that joke. Um, and then I that actually was wasn't. It. That was just a <laughs> when you when you say something so hurtful that you forget what you were going to say. <laughs> oh, you I'm truly a broken person on the inside. Um, <laughs> no, I oh, yeah, yeah. That, that it's like I love that a filmmaker like Jordan Peele can make a film like Get Out and then get this kind of budget to make an original film in IMAX like this kind of spectacle this kind of budget um Daniel Kaluuya was saying about how it's like Get Out was the smallest production he's ever been on and Nope was the biggest like it was the the shortest shoot he's ever done to the longest that's cool and yeah it's, it's like even if you this is one of those films even if you don't like it this is the kind of film that we should be supporting its existence yeah mm. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Another film that we should support the existence of is DC League of Super Pets. Um, <laughs> this is the best film this year in which um, The Rock plays Black Adam. <laughs> like, by what? a lot. Yeah. There's, um, oh my gosh. The post credit scene of this film is... So, um, it's about the pets of the DC superheroes. Um, obviously, which, but- I'm going to say, this this movie came out one year too early because mm. if this was next year, I would have definitely seen this. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> and, and, like, honestly, the, it's pretty good. Like, I... I like this a lot more than I thought I would. But the post credit scene is so the rock voices Crypto the Superdog, Superman's dog, who's the main character of the film. At the end of the film, Anubis, Black Adam's dog, shows up, voiced by the rock, and then Black Adam shows up, voiced by the rock. So there's four people in the scene, including Superman. I didn't know this. Played by John Krasinski, so does- and three of the other people in the scene are played <laughs> by the rock. So is is it, when you say that it's a Black Adam being played by the Rock, is it like an animated version of it? Yeah, uh, you don't see his face, but yeah. I didn't know about that at all. But mm. that just that that's so fucking funny. That's mm. like what a perfect new piece of the the Rock's Black Adam narrative that is. That mm. he's like this this movie that's coming out is gonna be so fucking good that I'm gonna transplant a, a cameo into this animated movie mm. into it. Yeah, and also God, what a loser. <laughs> he's gotten into trouble. I don't know if he's been sued or whatever, but like, the, or there's this articles out about how he like insisted on having a tequila bar at the premiere of this kid's film, and like refused to do as much promotion and the of the film. And it's like, just I, I again like he's another person that I think is his star has fallen a lot this mm. year. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, but, I mean, after after Jungle Cruise, it was all over for me in the wrong. Mm. Yeah. But one one thing that's that's really funny about this film is Natasha Leone voices a tortoise who gets um super speed and becomes the Flash's pet, and her catchphrase is "I can't see shit," but it's like it's bleeped every time, and it's it's so fucking funny. Like, 
<laughs> just in this kid's movie and I, I think she says the f word at one point and it's blurred uh, and it's bleeped but it's just it's it's so out of left field to have oh a gosh. character's catchphrase be i can't see shit that's hilarious yeah uh 13 lives like this was another one that i was really looking forward to this is about the thai cave rescue oh, yeah. um and then i found out it was almost three hours long i was like when am i gonna get around to watching this not okay aj you watched this one Oh, not okay. Yeah. yeah, I saw. I've watched. I've watched like most of it. <laughs> I left for uh, about twenty minutes in the final act, and then came back and saw the end of it, uh, and then promptly uh, and somewhat arrogantly uh, placed it as the worst movie I'd seen that year, even though I didn't see a <laughs> hefty chunk of it. It's no longer the worst movie I've seen a year. I thought this was terrible. This is. Have you heard what, of this movie, the, Jeremy? What's the plot again? No, I haven't heard of it at all. The plot is about a a wannabe influencer who pretends to go to Paris to impress people on on her social media but while she's in paris well while she's pretending to be in paris there is a real life terrorist attack that happens in paris <laughs> and so then she decides i'm going to like make fame for myself by being a survivor of a terrorist attack uh and it's not a, it's it's not like it's not self-aware like it, it's aware of what it is it stars um zoe uh Deutsch. what's zoe Deutsch, yeah and 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 it's I just found it so like it's like this edgy ass plot premise that then also wants to be really sincere. Like there are characters in this movie who would just be offended by the movie that they're in, you know? Like <laughs> it's, it's so it's it's like what's the point here? And then um spoilers for the ending, the message of the film of this film about how this woman pretends to be a victim of trauma. The message of the film, gentlemen, is you shouldn't do that. <laughs> that's it's not like okay. The, yeah, it's, it's not, not okay. okay. That that's essentially the message of the film is that she because she she ends up getting outed and gets cancelled and the message the, the the last scene is I think it's something like uh, it's something like she has the opportunity to defend herself or to try and redeem herself and decides no this this platform should be given to the people who oh, actually gosh. have trauma in their life and so she just like ends the movie happily staying cancelled and it's just like yeah so the message is don't fucking do this you idiot like <laughs> anyway we don't need to dwell on it bullet train i didn't realize you saw bullet train aj i saw the hell out of bullet train dude mm-hmm it's um it's not very good but it's one of these movies that people are being like oh yeah i hadn't heard of it and it's actually pretty fun it's like yeah like if you haven't heard of it and you just stumble across it yeah it's kind of fun but it's like if you actually if you actually pay to go see it in the cinema it's like this is the bare minimum a movie should be (laughs) i I don't know i because i gave it i gave it three and a half stars i think but it was kind of it was kind of a begrudging three and a half stars. It's one of those things, like sometimes I'll give something a certain rating because it's like when I break it down to its parts, its components, I'm like, mm. yeah, there's three and a half stars worth here, but it's maybe just not, it's not like it um gelled together. But I'd heard, like I saw the trailer for this and lo- thought it looked like this fun original movie coming out. Mm. And I was like, yeah, cool. And then heard it was really bad. And I was like, what the hell? And then I <laughs> went to see it and I don't know, I had a pretty good time with it and then went home and read some some letterboxed reviews and it was just really divided. And it's, mm. it's a really like unassuming movie to be so divided. I think 
what it, this is my review for it that I wrote. I wrote something like this has the vibe of the cut the type of movie I would get from the warehouse bargain bin in like 2009 and I'd watch it on my CRT TV in my bedroom <laughs> and like it would be like I own a copy of Bullet Train on TV. and it would have like Dolph Lundgren but like in the early 2000s in it yeah i mean it doesn't have to have anyone specific in it it's more <laughs> no, like, but like yeah the... or like casper van dien would be like the the main star <laughs> right i i mean it could still be brad pitt to be honest because he's <laughs> been around for a while but i don't and like it's it's just sort of like this this movie that i think would have appealed to me a lot more when i was a teenager uh when i was like oblivious to critical uh, re- mm. reception of things. it was just like yeah it, it's fine there's not much to say about it i think like th- this was one that was hard to review Mm, like yeah, like on on the tv it was like mm. yeah you'll you'll you might have a good time it's um yeah yeah <laughs> compelling compelling and compelling stuff uh we're about to be out to well a couple of movies that i just want to quickly mention for any any of our international listeners that might be a little bit wondering about this there's the the non-binary slasher movie they slash them came out which is apparently a waste of a great title but um body bodies bodies um x and pearl um didn't come out in new zealand so they weren't like you know any of us obviously could have seeked them out if we wanted to but these are three films that i think dominated the horror conversation a lot this year Mm. and but they were just never really accessible to us my flat watched bodies 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 without me because i think i was doing a podcast when <laughs> i watched it but like x and pearl really feel like um well they were shot in new zealand to, it's like yeah they, it's weird they didn't come out here um and they really feel like two massive blind spots for me though mm, like i don't yeah. even have any necessarily desire to see them but like the the letterboxed year in review thing just happened and like pearl is all over it you yeah. know and it's like god i don't even like what it, and because there's a third one coming out yeah because x and pearl are are, are a a duology that came out in the same year interestingly um and because there's a third part coming out my like alarm bells are going off and i'm like do not watch this because you'll get it for the podcast in mm. like two weeks <laughs> the, the thing about um the one thing i will say just on these movies that um directed by ty west but dressed about ti and um a lot of people he posted like his um you know top 10 films of all time and everyone was real mad that they were just like super basic films it was like 2001 a space odyssey and like <laughs> you know the, the films that are just generally at the top of greatest films of all time list uh when that came out i was so shocked to learn that he was a guy <laughs> like i just assumed oh you've got these like people like ty west can do no wrong these films are amazing i was like oh it's, it's a woman director that's why um but no, uh, good to see that people can still uh, get behind a male filmmaker in twenty twenty two. What the fuck are you talking about, Richard? But, what like, a just, like, like strange the, 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 take the... to have. <laughs> but it's like, like turns the... out men are good, actually. Well, it's just like the, the wow, the, finally the... a win for the. Well, there, there was the joke, obviously, but it's like just the the, the Thank response. Thank you for these... the joke. <laughs> yeah, I you made me. Um, the. Um, but ju- just like the, the 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 fan base that this the rabid fan base that this got and the people who loved it, um, I don't know. I was just shocked to learn that it was for a guy. <laughs> well, I mean, Mia Goth co-wrote a lot yeah. of it. I think. Yeah, but so. it, yeah, like I think it was the duo of those two. I just, I mean, yeah, I didn't. Ass- well, I guess I did assume the gender. Um, anywho, um, 
Uh, what about Is Mia Goth here? a goth? Yeah. Um, three movies that yeah, only you saw it. here, AJ. Um, okay. None of us saw 3,000 Years of Longing. I wanted to, but then I just heard it wasn't really good. Yeah, um, yeah same. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting that the first movie from George Miller, who made like one of the most defining movies of the last ten years, came out finally came out with, a, with an, another movie, and its response ranged from "didn't see it" to "it was okay." Mm. Um, <laughs> That's disappointing. So three movies here you've got to talk about, AJ: Robert mm. Zemeckis's Pinocchio, Barbarian, yep. and Clerks Three. <laughs> okay, let's go. Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio. Uh, I don't think I hated it as much as the world did, but it's not very good. I have barely anything to say about it other than um, Tom Hanks. The fish was is, sexy. The <laughs> fish was sexy. They re- they translated the sexy fish to real life, and um, I, I really appreciated that. I think I wanted to prepare for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio by watching this one mm. ahead of it. Um but yeah, no, don't waste your time on it. It's not very good. Though it was uh, written by our friend Chris White. <laughs> uh, what was the next one? Barbarian. Barbarian. Great film. You guys should watch Barbarian. Jeremy, you would like Barbarian, I think. What's it about? It's a, it's a horror movie about a no. uh, a woman who... <laughs> no? <laughs> horror it's movie? A, it's no. A... I, I know that like horror movies is now like the genre that everyone watches. I, I don't watch horror movies. Oh, okay but i mean well, it's I'll, about a- i'll watch clever yeah. ones like i love i like i don't know i still wanted to call things thrillers i would say that get out is a thriller not a horror yeah so yeah. i'm i'm like i'll watch thrillers i don't like horror movies that are just like this that you'd be you'd be pushing pretty far to call this one just a thriller and not a horror okay um, it's the 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 logline is a woman turn, is going to Detroit for a job interview, and she gets to her Airbnb in the middle of the night, only to discover that it's been double booked uh, by Bill Skarsgård, um, and that's the that's where we start the film. I, I I think there are a couple of of I had a, I had a couple of issues with the ending, but the everything else in it is is really just sublimely unfolded and. It's it feel you it feels like a really confidently told little um horror movie. Um, it's got um, uh, what's his name? Justin Long. <laughs> Justin Long in it, and he plays a character named AJ. And when they they said they called him AJ in the film, I was like, oh fun. And then it's immediately revealed that he's like. Uh, a rapist <laughs> it's like that's that's the you learn within meeting the character you learn his name's aj and that he's being accused of rape um and and but it's it's it, just because of that it's like this really like finger on the pulse kind of film um and there's a lot of interesting kind of uh, messages and stuff really liked barbarian it's, it's really good uh clerks three is your next one. Oh my god this is an embarrassing film <laughs> this is because kevin smith is so hit and miss with me or hit or miss with me um and was someone who i really resonated with when i was a a like growing out of my teens and then as i've got older i don't know if he's made worse films or i'm not as into them this film man is like uh, it's, it's so embarrassing because it's like it's so personal and it's so like transparently based on experiences that kevin smith has had and like it's it's like because he a couple of years back he survived a heart attack and it basically like kick-started him into um you know Getting trying to embrace life more uh and that's the premise of clerks three 
And what I think is really interesting about it is is because it's a, it's basically the clerks characters making clerks the movie because one of them has a heart attack and decides they want to make a movie based on their life. What and a I think nightmare. that's a I think it's a great idea for a especially a Kevin Smith film. But one really interesting um kind of problem with it is that the two actors I can't remember their names, but the two clerks uh in clerks they don't do a lot of acting outside of the clerks <laughs> movies and as such i don't think they are very experienced and i don't think they deliver very natural performances i think they sound quite amateur in their line deliveries and stuff like that but they are not the only people in the movie and 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 nested in this movie is like jason muse and kevin smith himself as jay and silent bob and like silent bob has a moment in every silent bob movie where he starts talking um he'll do like say a couple of sentences and when he says like he says like one or two sentences in this movie in one scene and it is so jarring because kevin smith for all his faults as a director is like a perfectly good actor and so Mm -hmm. you've been listening to these like really tired line deliveries from the two main characters which feel like immature and childish and really inexperienced and then silent bob finally speaks and it's like oh my god this is a professional movie with with a budget because mm-hmm. kevin smith is, knows how to do that and um rosario dawson who is in clerks too and has a small scene in this as well um she she was the main character's love interest in clerks too and briefly shows up in this and it's just like jesus christ rosario dawson looks <laughs> this is so mean looks 10 times better than the dude playing the main <laughs> character and in the in the sense that like this is a woman who took her job as an actor very very seriously and continued to invest and like like build herself around being a front-facing actor and this is a guy who's done clerks clerks two and now clerks three who's just <laughs> a normal guy and it's just it's just really funny to think of them as, as a couple because so is it the freddie prince jr sarah michelle Geller problem they're both in this reverse. movie yeah, what? Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Yeah, they've they they both have cameos in this film. Oh, that's sorry. You ended up yeah. talking about that when we yeah, talked. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so that again, because she can act, she's in like fucking Star Wars and shit now. Like she can act, and again, it's a it's a very jarring scene. Uh, and I just I found it so hard to get through. And the ending is like not the ending I think fits the the franchise, and. Uh, in the credits, Kevin Smith talks directly to the audience and tells you a little story about what it was like making the film. And I was like, God, I wish this was better. Because if you saw the greatest movie ever, imagine if you saw a really personal, uh, really effective film, and then the the director, who's quite a uh, you know uh, social media figure, mm. like starts talking in the credits, you'd be like, Oh, this is classic Kevin Smith. This is great. Mm. But it's like you've just seen like what I thought was quite a dumpster fire of a failure. <laughs> uh, of a film and then, he's, then he comes in to be like thanks so much everybody for for sticking with the clerks gang over all these years fun fact the uh supermarket in which we shot in was the real super and you know it's like mm. uh it's it's what a it's like and you're like you're like i, I wish i hadn't stuck with the clerks yeah, gang yeah. All and these genuinely years. <laughs> genuinely i really liked i really like clerks I, I quite liked clerks too i don't know if i would still like it as much if i watched it as an adult but i liked it and then clerks three just feels yeah yeah no see how they run none of us saw how they run uh blonde <laughs> seemed like wait just see how mess. they run yeah i did see that oh well you didn't mark it green i totally forgot that that's what the movie was called um i barely remember anything about it nice. uh it was 
uh, it's the story of the mousetrap, right? Like it's um, it's a know. it's You're a the murder mystery. Seen it, dude? How would we it's know? It's Saoirse Ronan and um, Sam Rockwell. Sam Moon, Rockwell. Moon. What's who's the Sam Moon Rockwell. guy? Yeah, Sam Rockwell. Yeah, um, yeah. It just really felt like all of these sorts of murder mystery type movies with like big sort of look who's in this movie casts are being made now mm. in the in the um, slipstream of Knives Out and to a lesser extent I think the sort of rebirth of the Agatha Christie you know the, the Hercule Poirot um, and they're all trying to do it and it, it, it's just a continual reminder of like how amazing Ryan, Ryan Johnson is it's mm. um, Ryan is it Ryan? Yeah. I am. Just amazing how how amazing Ryan Johnson is at making it fresh and cool and fun and new that see how they run. It's just really like I barely remembered I even saw it, mm. let alone. And I was quite interested in seeing it because when I was in London, it was everywhere. Like right. they obviously wanted every single person in London to watch it because it was like every billboard was like, <laughs> see how they run because it's um, based on a murder that's set on the set of the mousetrap which is the longest running play in history right. it's been playing on the west end in london since the 1950s wow. um and yeah they it just didn't it didn't hit damn i'm uh, really annoyed that uh slipstream has absolutely entered my vocabulary but i'll never be able to use it around you guys because as soon as i do and i'll probably do it by accident just in the heat of the moment and then there'll be a pause and someone will say you got that from Jeremy. There's no <laughs> way to organically use the word slipstream in my vocabulary now. Blonde seemed like a just a mean spirited film and didn't want to watch it and no Oscar buzz, so Yeah, and Do Revenge was a, apparently a fun Netflix film, but I didn't watch it. Uh Moon Age Daydream, this was um the David Bowie, the first film to be made with the blessing of David Bowie's estate. Really interesting. If you're if you're into David Bowie, you'll really enjoy it. It's more akin to like a concert film than like a life documentary or anything like that it's like it's um again it's like a montage sort of thing but yeah no really um visually spectacular film and if you if it's playing in a town near you on the big screen um i'd recommend going to it one that you haven't marked as watched but i know you have watched in the last like 24 hours don't worry darling it's a it's a bad film yeah uh so this was like you know, in a lot of ways, this was the movie of the year, right? <laughs> like, from a certain point of well, view. It was, the, this it was had... the PR story of the year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, how great would it have been if it had been a, a good movie? <laughs> you know? Like, after, after <laughs> all that. All really that really good PR wasted on the movie that it was about. Yeah, yeah. And, and I watched it. Have you seen it, Jeremy? No, I actually did not. I mean, all of the, like, you know. Harry Styles spitting into the lap of um, Chris Pine. I don't think that happened. It but, didn't um, actually happen, but you know, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. that was the story. Um, uh, didn't didn't entice me to see it. Although no. when I saw it on the list, I was like, "Oh, don't worry, darling. Maybe I should watch it just for the meme of it all." But no, I didn't. That's that. I'm glad you brought that up because this is the first time in a long time that there's been a movie with a negative reception that I've been like. I should probably see this. Like, <laughs> just to have an opinion about it. Because well, usually that's reserved for like the best movies of the year, you know. Yeah, your Top but Gun Mavericks. Such, yeah. yeah, your Top Gun Mavericks. Yeah, um, that's another one I did. DC yeah, League I of Super see. Pets. DC League of Super Pets. Um, and but this is just like one where it's like I have to see it because we got to mm. talk about it because it's Don't Worry, Darling. And I, what annoyed me about this film. Do you mind spoilers, Jeremy? Or you know, no, I, 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 I cannot be spoiled in this movie. Right. 
it is just it is the most expected like okay here's a good experiment if you haven't seen it here's here's the setup and i want you to guess what the what the twist is okay. right okay so we're in the 1950s in this little suburb and it's about it's a victory a, a little suburb called victory and the men go to work on like what is what sounds like the man a mysterious project yeah it sounds like the manhattan project sort of thing and the the stepford wivesian wives stay home and cook and clean and, and then have oral sex with their husbands when they come home and the they receive oral sex is important that's right. true that's true but jeremy something is off about this little quaint little town what do you think happens take a couple of guesses because it's from the big book of movie twists and it well, won't be that hard guess. To, to, to guess um is it that Oh god! Now I'm tr- now I'm trying to be more clever than I think I should be. You don't but, need to be. <laughs> what, what's your immediate reaction? What, what are you thinking? Oh god! I, I'm I'm immediately thinking that it's like a fake town. That's like the, they're it's they're actually in Russia. They're, they're not in, in Russia, but but uh, it's not real. It's a simulation. They're in oh, right. they're in the modern day, and yeah. during the day, so it's the village. Well, no, so, so so the idea is that they're during the day. It's it's like a. Um, computer simulation this florence Pugh is in the real world is a nurse who's gone missing and she is strapped to a bed um with her eyes pried open a la clockwork orange and having like being scanned like, like a vr sort of thing yeah and harry styles comes home uh when he goes to work that's actually him waking up in the real world to go make enough money to maintain them staying in this thing and so she shouldn't worry darling it's just the most it was the most expected like as soon as it starts it's like this is it's either this isn't this is actually set in modern day or this isn't real it's like yeah, a yeah, simulator. Yeah. my immediate thoughts and then it was both so yeah. i would just so much rather it had been they were working on something mysterious and, and yeah, like yeah, there's, there's so many just like it, it's one of those movies that as soon as you think about it for a few seconds everything falls apart like there's this there's so many things in it that are like also so within uh like one of, one of the previous movies you mentioned aj but it's like within five ten minutes of the film it's like oh something's not right and then they just continue to be like, yeah, remember, something's not right. You're not given more information each time. Yeah, that's you're a just, good point. So it's like you're told something's wrong. You're not... It's like, it's be not worried, like, and it's then they tell like, you oh, be worried if, again. if you're paying attention in the background, you might have noticed this. And now Florence Pugh's starting to notice it. Oh, and then that's a really big clue. It is like you were given the same level of clue for like <laughs> an hour and a half of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's not a mystery unfolding. Yeah. It's like the Truman Show as well. Like that's another comparison. Mm. It's Stepford Wives meets The Matrix meets The Truman Show meets Black Mirror, basically. And I remember like Olivia Wilde before the film came out, I was like, men don't come in this film. Like the ladies get the sex. And it's like, when you see the film, that is such a weird thing to advertise about the film. Yeah. And it's um, like, it's such a weird, like, oh, this will be the thing that'll get people to come and yeah. see my movie. And also yeah. Cause, Cause but like, you know, we don't need to go into all the behind the scenes drama, but there was like, um, someone asked Florence Pugh about like the, the sex scene in the trailer with um, Harry Styles. And she was like, it's fucked that this movie has been reduced to that. Like you, you're starting a film with Harry Styles and people just ask you these stupid fucking questions. And it's like, yeah, fair enough. She obviously hated doing this film by judging by all the behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, like the ending that it's like, she was this like high paid nurse, a very busy schedule. And then she just disappears. And then also when she finally gets out at the end, she's what now strapped to a bed with her eyes pried open. 
next to a dead Harry Styles because this is the other thing if you if a man dies in the simulation they die in real life if a woman dies in the simulation they get out now this was made by Chris Pine why would he program that why would is he that, program is, it like I, that? was it specifically that or is it anyone who dies I thought um, it was anyone who dies no dies no the, the the woman who kills herself earlier in the film gets out um uh, and but but like because they say the men die in this men, yeah yeah men that's die. a good point I, I didn't put those pieces together but it's really funny like there is a line in this movie that is so close to if you die in the game you die in real life mm. <laughs> and it's delivered by the film's director olivia yeah. wilde and also there's like at the, at the end when like Gemma chan's character who's chris pine's husband and he's the mastermind wife. behind everything Sorry, you were. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, Chris Bryan, fantastic in this film. So is Florence Pugh. Um, I didn't we'll, think he we'll, was. I thought he was average. It, it, it's a fun character, and he and he's, he plays it well. But um, and we'll get to Harry Styles in a second. But the at the end of the film, she stabs him, and it's like it's my turn now. And it's like it doesn't mean anything for what? Like, yeah. what have you? What, you haven't wanted this or anything. But on Harry Styles, I was there's he's set up to fail in the film it's it's it was mean of olivia wilde to cast him like it requires these i think he's great in dunkirk the role doesn't require like an insane amount from him but in don't worry darling it like it requires pages and pages of dialogue it requires big dramatic outbursts and the the script has also been rewritten to justify the fact that he's british there's like lines in the film where that that add nothing else other than to be like oh because they do it different in the uk oh because sandy's just moved here from australia and um they (laughs) but it's shown that like in because when we see him in the real world and credit to the makeup department he looks disgusting in the real world there's like he's sort of getting to to choose his perfect life and he chooses oh i'll be british for my perfect life so he has an american accent because there's a lot of talk i didn't understand why they would do that just make him british in real life yeah there's a lot of talk of like what is the accent when the clips were coming out and it's like oh he's doing an american accent in the real world and he's british in the simulation but it's it's such a stupid movie and it and <laughs> like i i liked like um a lot of people will talk about it as well that it's like it's shot quite well or it's shot quite like interestingly there's like five shots in this movie and they're just those repeated and it's like this this clever shots there's they're, they're well done and um the camera is used in interesting ways but every interesting shot is just repeated. the same one it's yeah, it's yeah. like you know you, you know I, I can't think of a specific example they developed like, a technique and just yeah, used it over and yeah, over so they're like oh, like a cool over the over, overhead shot and you're like oh that's cool but then your only other cool shots are also overhead shots yeah I, I, I almost feel sorry for Harry Styles in the film that mm. like the, the amount of shit he got because it's like it, it just shouldn't have been him. Um apparently it was originally um Shia LaBeouf. Well, it was originally Shia LaBeouf, but apparently um Olivia Wilde was also playing Florence Pugh's character, but then she decided she wanted a younger couple. Mm. Cool. All right, I yeah. believe you. I will not watch it. <laughs> Florence Pugh is incredible in it though, I mm. thought. I thought she was so good in it. And it's just this what a depressing i don't know like if this had been good it would have there would have been a like yeah it was all worth it kind mm. of feel to it you know but it's it's at what it, what i thought watching it was like well i know what movies and shows olivia wilde really likes mm. because it just feels like a it's culmination just, she just likes black mirror <laughs> yeah 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 exactly it just feels like a culmination of a bunch of stuff i've seen better and it's weird it's it's one of those it's it's a movie that makes you realize 
you've you've been watching movies like this for years mm. because it's it's the first one that makes you go like oh god another one of these because like <laughs> you know you don't you don't realize how many it was all a simulation or it's actually set in real life or you know there's some kind of black mirrorian twist in it you don't realize how many times you've seen this until you watch don't worry darling and you're like yeah oh, fuck. i think I, like i described it in the review as like at its best, it's an all right episode of Black Mirror. At its worst, it's a bad episode of Black Mirror. Cool. All right. I believe you. I won't watch it. Okay. It we please like stop talking on. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a while before there's a movie you've seen, Jeremy. It's a strap on. Uh, Smile. I, I call this, this is one I hyped up to hurt Age's feelings as well. Oh, this was the worst thing you've done, I think. I think this this might be a good good run for most disappointing film of the year. But unlike Thor, Love and Thunder, I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't like this movie. Mm. And I'll elaborate, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so so well let's right after these messages (laughs) let's talk about how you hype this up richard you were like dude this is the scariest fucking movie i have ever seen and you gave it like because we only spoke about this over text so i said dude this is the fucking scariest movie i've ever seen that was how i that was how i was right i watched your review and in your review you're like smile is probably the scariest movie i've ever seen well that's just my my news voice (laughs) <laughs> that's the bullshit i spin to the boomers who watch the news not only did i not think this was particularly scary uh i also think it's one of like this is this is ripe for a video essay if i still made video mm. essays this would be such a good t- conversation because we are living in this age of elevated horrors that's that seems to be the prevailing term for this type of movie i preferred metaphora or social thriller but it seems like elevated horror is that's what scream 2022 called it so that's i guess what we're calling it of these like intelligently written horrors with a message behind them and, and yada 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 and it's great stuff but but with this genre of film comes a responsibility that i think some directors are shirking and that responsibility is if you're going to make your central monster whatever phenomenon if you're going to make that a metaphor for something then the ending of the film needs to have you saying something about whatever that metaphor have the right message yeah yeah the right message or how because to deal this, with it or something yep 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 so spoilers for smile um and spoilers as well for lights out a movie we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast mm. lights out is a movie where the the monster which only appears in the dark is clearly a a metaphor for the for like grief mm. and depression uh and the way it's dealt with in the end is the character, the mother, who is suffering the most from this from, from grief and depression, kills herself to get rid of the monster. Right? And it's 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 like someone the else. Of the story is that if, if you you're have a burden on your family, you're a burden on your family. Yeah, I, I'm silent because my mouth is just agape. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so that that's that's um that's that's lights out, not smile. Right. Um, but 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 it's it's it really feels like someone else wrote the end of Lights mm. Out. It feels well, like someone, someone, someone set it up. Someone didn't get the metaphor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is bananas that you could set up a metaphor and then not understand it. And similarly, Smile the so it's about what's it like? It's about you, abuse. You, you, the cycle of abuse. 
Yeah, yeah, and you see the smiling demon and it comes after you. And it's about, as you say, the cycle of abuse. And so when a movie is about the cycle of abuse, your message responsibly should be in the end, um, there is a way out of this. That's what I personally... There's a way to break it, yeah. There's a way to break it, right? Uh, And at the end of this movie, you think she escapes the cycle of abuse and then the final scene is the, the boyfriend or whoever turns up and now she's infected with the smile. She lights a match cut to black she'd failed and so the message of smile is there is no way sorry everyone if you're suffering from ptsd if you've had abuse in your life if you have these things that that are that hang over you and and make you depressed and anxious uh sorry there's nothing you can do about it someone else will just turn out turn up in your life and it'll all happen and you'll over abuse again. them <laughs> yeah 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 and I think that's such an evil, irresponsible message. And I'm I'm so surprised to see how warm of a reception this film got with such a, like, like what's it called? Like, fumbled mm. ending. I, I will sound smart. So this is like, this looks like it's truth or dare. It looks like the fun, dumb horror movie you can put on mm. and laugh with your friends. It takes itself very seriously. And I, I still think this is, like, I stand behind, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. I think you need to see scarier movies. <laughs> That's not me overhyping it. Like it's, um, I mean that like that's literally just a true statement about myself. I I think this this film uses jump scares more effectively than I've ever seen in a film. Like jump scares in films, you usually watch and you go, oh, oh, oh it's a fuck you movie. Whereas this one, I would get a jump scare and I, and I would be you know for like a minute afterwards, but still be really from it because. It, they weren't fake outs. They were they were in genuinely unexpected places, and it was actually something terrifying. And so it was that thing of like I've I've gone on the record saying I hate jump scares, but it's like ah when they're the best ones, I kind of can't hate them. Um, and yeah, it was just like I I when I went into this because I I watched this in the cinema and it was like one p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon or whatever, and I just walked down from work, went to the cinema, and I was and I walked in expecting a dumb movie to laugh at and then i ended up seeing the scariest movie i've ever seen (laughs) um and so yeah but anyway i'm glad i hurt your feelings aj that's what it's all about baby (laughs) uh fuck you i'm surprised you guys didn't see bros bros was really fun like yeah i should have seen the the, or the audience turned against it um because it's it's a gay movie and you know billy eichner made some well no yeah the the audience the audience turned against it because of billy eichner's like overly aggressive like everyone hates it everyone's not going to see it because they're homophobes and people are just like well maybe we just haven't found time to go see your movie because no one's got time to see movies (laughs) billy i've actually been very busy um but it's also just that they're like it it is kind of a bummer that like a studio made a rom-com in 2022 and it was a massive bomb Mm. um and the thing i kind of liked about bros is that um while the sort of the central thesis of the film is that love is not like because it, it, it's sort of a meta movie where the character is at the start is asked to write a rom-com and they're like just but just make it gay you know love is love like it's all the same and the whole point is it's like it's not love is not love it's gay relationships are very different and so he um but it, it, the overarching plot the beats are the same but all the details are completely different yeah yeah um and so i kind of like that that it is still this kind of accessible thing for it's not homophobic audiences but you know it's playing in the same sandbox but it's being very specific about like here's how it's different though yeah it's different so you recognize a lot of it but yeah yeah um but you know i really enjoyed it i thought i thought it was fucking hilarious um yeah lots of lots of great gags and i really enjoyed it nice i do want to see it
So I'm surprised you Hocus Pocus two feels like a Jeremy film. I'm surprised you didn't watch that. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, I watched Hocus Pocus one this year. <laughs> <laughs> I had no like great love or affinity with Hocus Pocus one, so okay. I think I saw it like once in the early two thousands. But yeah. it just didn't it feels really... like it's written into your DNA, bro. Oh yeah, yeah like, totally. it, it feels if you like said you Hocus Pocus really... was the most important film to the <laughs> to the DNA of Jeremy Vargas, I'd be like, yeah, that tracks. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so a film that I, I I avoided Amsterdam, but you you watched that recently. You took the bullet for us. Yeah, well, I, I, like I say. I watched it i watched the first like probably 25 minutes um <laughs> and then okay. essentially taylor swift got like randomly like shoved under a mo- moving sho- car. shoved under a moving car and like quite a like it was done very well like it was pretty seamless in the way the camera like literally followed her as she got shoved under a moving car and it was in the mid-sentence and it just made me laugh and then I just realized in the minutes after that happened, I was like, that's definitely going to be the most entertaining and enjoyable <laughs> thing that happens in this movie. I'm going to turn it off now. Yeah. And I turned it off. And then I went and read all the reviews and I was like, cool, I was right. Yeah. I'm I'm glad this bombed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like David O. Russell's movies. Um, and Or as a person. And so I'm glad no one saw it. Uh, Hellraiser, I've, this is ripe for a um, film franchise follow-ups at some point. Halloween's Ends was ripe for a film franchise follow-ups. That's why we did it. Um, we both kind of liked it. Um, it's yeah, but a the world didn't. Film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, in any sort of... It's it's a very strange film. It's a it's similar to Jurassic World Dominion, but not as bad. Where you're like, why was why did you come up with this as the plot for your finale? <laughs> like, hmm. yeah, strange. All Quiet on the Western Front. This might this is one of those ones vying for the last sort of spot on the Oscar top on the Oscar nominations. So we'll see. My if it dad gets there. saw it and he spoiled the ending for me. Wow, Black Adam, second best movie where The Rock plays Black Adam this year. <laughs> um, this movie's so bad. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, what hasn't already been said about Black Adam, but it's just like, the the main thing about it is it's like 15 years too late. Wow. It's it's very much like a Ghost Rider kind of thing. It's like oh. those sort of before we really figured out what superheroes movies were, but we wanted to cash it on Spider-Man. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think what's worse is that it's, because Morbius was that as well, but Black Adam is so confident. Black mm. Adam is so confident in how good it thinks it is that it makes it even less powerful. It carries the id of the rock. Y- mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it's like, I, I here's another video essay I would write if I was still doing video, video essays, which is, what does he want? What does The Rock want? Like he was, he has championed Black Adam for since two thousand seven or whenever he was mm. he was cast in it, right? And he's taught he hyped it up so much, like oh, this is the 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 hierarchy of powers about to change, bloody bloody blah. And then he this movie comes out and The Rock is just playing The Rock. And it's like, why? Why? What about this character did you feel was so special and so new and so fresh that, like, you had to champion this movie? Because it's just him doing him again, and there's no interest well, it's to also it. Like, it's him, like, because, I mean, people go see the rock movies because you're going to watch this guy have fun. He is not having fun in this movie. No. <laughs> like, I it doesn't even so seem either. like he enjoyed making it. He's so serious. He's so, yeah, it's boring. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you think that The Rock needs to find his Christopher McQuarrie? Mm. like it's interesting well, he, he, to me um, that like tom, uh, tom cruise has, has found this director that mm. just gets him and totally gets the way he wants to make movies and elevates him mm. as well 
And it's like, I just feel like The Rock is playing around in too many different properties without bringing his own like person who makes him look good. I would say um, he's kind of got that in, I believe his name is Rawson Marshall Thurber, who made, I'm just going to Was it the person name. who made CIA? Because he should totally bring the person who made CIA with him. <laughs> um, no, he made... Um, Essential Intelligence, sorry. Yeah, well, Essential Intelligence. Um, skyscraper. And he, he actually also did uh, Red Notice, I didn't realise. I think he also did um, Rampage? Right. Um, well, Rampage came Dodgeball out the same Rams. year as Skyscrapers. Oh, no, he didn't yeah. do that. Who made Rampage? Because maybe I'll think of the guy who did Rampage. He either needs to find his because Christopher McQuarrie, or he needs to find, or he needs to like find himself. Mm. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to be humbled, mm. I think, because he refuses to be. Well, maybe and, the, like maybe the reception to Black Adam is the thing that's going to do yeah. it. But well, it's also not, kicked, but, kicked out of the DCU. Yeah, true. Well. But the reception to Black Adam, he just denied. Like he tweeted like. Oh, he tweeted like um the like the watery eye emoji and was like my reaction when the fans tell me how much Black Adam means to means to them. It's like what are you talking about? Well, Who are also- these- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Like said about how it um, like outgrossed Captain America, like the first one. Yeah. And it's like, it's not a... Fear it's not a fair comparison he's at all. Full, he's and, gone full Trump. Mm. A little bit, effects, yeah, yeah, totally. And 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 it's just it's like what corners of the internet are you degrading yourself into so that you can find an overwhelming positive re- like <laughs> response to this? His movie? DMs. Oh, this, and I think you were the one who told me about this or tweeted it. Like how the re- like the promo for this film was like they literally took a review from someone's tweet. Like they just took a tweet yeah, and yeah, put it yeah, on yeah, like yeah, yeah. the the billboards for this film. It's just, just like, as if it was a guy's as if it was a film yeah. reviewer who was like saying, yeah. "This is awesome! What a move! What a move!" Yeah, well, That's it's like crazy. it's very much like The Rock being like, "I'm the man of the people. All I care about is yeah, like it's." Yeah. And it's funny because it's like it's full Vin Diesel territory, right? Yeah, he's his his star has fallen so much, I think, mm-hmm. and I don't think he's gonna keep. I don't think he's going to be able to keep doing this. Well, that's, I, I think that it's becoming now like general, the general public is coming around to the fact that it's like, this dude's just a weenie. Like <laughs> that, that it's not like, yeah, the, the, his, his reaction to all these things. Well, it's his, like, also, he just has really thin skin. Yeah. And his, yeah. I think there's a, there was a certain type of coolness around like the sort of 2013 to 17 kind of era Mm. that was very like it was the male allegory to like the jennifer lawrence cool girl kind of thing Mm. and like it was the dan blazerian kind of like yeah i'm a man whoa yeah but i've also got a sense of humor uh yeah but i'm awesome chris pratt as well yeah yeah yeah. and i just think that like everyone's a bit tired of it mm. and it doesn't translate and so now it's like what do you do with that yeah um the other guys think it was brad payton who directed uh journey to the mysterious island san andreas and rampage cool. so i like i was thinking today about john cena and what works about john cena as an actor right mm. and i think part of it is like 
a the an ego death. And and you could say similar things about Dave Batista, but he's sort of gone in a different direction. Dave Batista's playing a different game. Yeah, yeah. John Cena's um, playing but, the same game as The Rock did. I would say. Yeah. yeah. But 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 uh John Cena is in movies where he looks ridiculous and silly and The Rock and would his, never his, have done train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And he would Like have, The Rock never plays second fiddle to anyone. Yeah. And John Cena did train wreck where he is a a supporting character yeah. to um Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Yeah. yeah, and like even like um even I would even say Peacemaker is like a degrading role in some points mm. for, for, for John Cena. And I think that's like I want to see The Rock be ridiculous on purpose because that's what makes a good act acting. And weirdly, it's what makes a good wrestler. So you'd think he would have mm. this complex, right? Because But he did that. No, the thing that, is he that, did that, that early in his career. Right. And now like he thinks theory. he's past it. He's like, mm. I've done my tooth fairy and I, yeah. No, but it's it's not the tooth fairy aspect of it. It's it's the understanding that in a wrestling match for the storylines, sometimes you need to lose. Sometimes There's you're a the villain. Take, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like he needs to do a heel turn. Yeah. And like, and it's just not at all happening, but he wants to be the coolest guy in every movie. Yeah. Like Blake Adam is his like yeah I'm playing a villain it's like you're not <laughs> I always think of like um in the Fast and Furious movies how it's like Jason Statham seems to be the one who gets it he understands like when you hear about all these feuds on set about Vin and The Rock and it's like yeah Jason Statham's hilarious and he's willing to because he's British hmm. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> that's, that's a completely true. different cultural no, sensibility that's actually yeah. a really good a good a good point is that one is a culture of gassing yourself up and one is a culture of like the sadder i can be the funnier it is well there, there, there's and like, also seeing seeing the irony in certain yeah, yeah, things yeah. there's um a great like um quote from stephen fry who talks about the difference in american and british comedy and says there's a scene in animal house where the, there's a guy playing the guitar and um what's his name john uh, john, john belushi comes up jim what john belushi. yeah john belushi um comes up to him smashes the guitar and looks like the hero an american comic wants to be john belushi a british comic wants to be the guy playing the guitar yeah 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 mm. banshees of an Sheeran. this is one we've all seen mm. Ooh. so you must have just watched this oh yeah i just watched it yeah. Yeah. i watched this with, with my family oh. this was another surprisingly politics less you know no, no politics to upset the the family for a watch. But was it an entirely confusing film for many of your family? Why is that? I just feel like there's a there's a real because um... your family's stupid, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's just like this is this is not a straightforward movie to enjoy. I think there is elements of it that are very enjoyable mm. on the surface, but in terms of the overall story of the film and what's actually happening, yeah. especially towards the end, no, it, like, like my family can very... watch movies like that. It's just whether or not they have much to say about it afterwards. Right, right, yeah. Um, it's not inherently controversial, no, though. Yes, yeah. mm. uh, I thought this was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I thought this was so good. This is um, might be Mark McDonald's best film. Um, which is a bold statement um, when, you know, I love in Bruges and obviously Three Bullwoods was incredible. But um, this feels like the most Martin McDonough film. Like this is his, uh, you know, perfected his craft. Mm. I was disappointed when it first got announced and sort of first hearing about it. That's like, oh, he's doing this like period piece because that immediately, and this is a me problem, but it's like, it immediately gives me this barrier to liking it. But it's probably my favorite what you would call like a period piece and 
yeah i mean i just thought the script was incredible the acting was amazing colin farrell especially is just so good in this film mm. uh well deserved golden globe win the other day yeah there's um so are you aware of the like the the trilogy aspect to this film what do you mean so this film is the completion of the inish trilogy um, the first two are actually plays. Right. So Martin McDonough, when he first started out, was a playwright, and he completed something like seven or nine plays mm. in the course of about six years, and they all went to Broadway, and they were all like smash hits, yeah. and that's basically where he got the you know the clout, the clout to do in Bruges and 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 onwards from there. Um, and then basically the first two inish so it was, it was the something of inish i'll do and then you know so basically you had place names that started with inish and it was the something of inish something um and the first two also dealt with kind of like an interplay all had like the common themes of like the the time period in ireland somewhere with it was like village life with a, like a younger man and an older man and like kind of tensions there and he want he was either going to write this he started writing this but felt he couldn't keep writing it so then he wrote in bruges instead um because he was offered movies and then he came he felt that he was now able to given the amount of time that had elapsed 20 years since he had started writing it that he now understood it more from the older wow. man's perspective yeah. and so it's basically this is uh, this is all from a vulture article that i read two days ago after after watching it um which i fully recommend like if you're interested read the vulture article because it's really really well written um and kind of describes what's going on behind the scenes of his whole writing career and why this one movie is essentially like draws together everything good from his career and shows he's learned the lessons mm. that he needed to learn That's from cool. the failures of his career yeah 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 um the cripple of inish man in 1996 and the lieutenant of inish moore in 2001 yeah uh so the best way i think i could describe the experience watching this movie especially if we're talking about martin mcdonough and what i was expecting from him is when it ended i logged it as 4.5 stars on letterbox and then two days later i went back and gave it five stars because i thought it was really interesting richard when you said like it's maybe his most martin mcdonough film because i kind of mm. initially disagreed because i actually like if i think of like something like in bruges which is probably my favorite from his and mm -hmm. how like sharp and and it almost feels like an action movie in a lot of places it, it's very like explosive um i was kind of like hoping for something more more cutting like that and and if 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 in bruges has like a hundred of these moments uh, and that's what, you know, makes it such a good movie. The Banshees of Inner Sharon has like one moment and it's at the end and <laughs> it recontextualizes the whole movie. And that's sort of how I felt. It was like, initially I was like, this wasn't as Martin McDonnery as I wanted it to be. And then after ruminating on it, I was like, oh no, it was really Martin McDonnery. It's just, <laughs> it's a single, does it make sense if I say it's a single idea, whereas in Bruges several ideas yeah, does yeah, that yeah. does that resonate and and it's it's one that like yeah it, it takes form as the credits roll and you sort of realize what you've watched and what you've seen um i i loved it i loved it. i thought it was so good mm, so good and that's just like i think the confidence to make one point as yeah. an artist yeah yeah but yeah, to yeah. know that that point is so important mm. and and it's going to be so well told and you're going to be able to communicate it with the amount of depth that mm. deserves yeah. that it seems simple but then it just sits there yeah. yeah that is that's kind of what 
like they're saying is like he could only have made this at this point in his yeah, career. Right. He, and he couldn't be the young. He couldn't be the young man, kind of like playwright, you know, de yeah. jour yeah, of yeah. of Broadway. He had to wait until he was quiet enough mm. to make this. Mm. And it's like, oh, and it's like what I loved about it was that it's this massively serious point, but it like holds itself out as this like off the wall kind of quirky yeah. jaunt of a like well what's going on and then when he actually starts to cut off his fingers you're just like holy mm. shit this is a different movie like mm. it's just yeah and it just ends and it's so devastating but like yeah also warm it, mm. it's That's oh. fantastic also do you know um he's dating phoebe Waller-Bridge? perfect what a talented perfect. i didn't know that perfect huh. yeah um yeah they've been together for quite a few years but huh. um one question I want to ask you, Jeremy, and this is the, the fun discussion I've had with people, because the person I saw it with and I disagreed on this, is that do you think that Colm, um, Brendan Gleeson's character, is talented? No, but that doesn't matter. Hmm. I, don't, I don't think it matters whether or not he's talented. I think it matters, it starts to matter for him that he is spending his life on things that he thinks is worthwhile regardless of whether or not they're ever going to be mm. you know seen as great art it's just it's like the you lose 100 percent of the shots you don't take yeah you know because because the person i saw it with was saying that it's like yeah I, th- I think he was you know we hear a bit of him play phil we never hear like the banshees of Sharon and phil the the song that the film's named after that he's wants to compose and be his great piece of art but i sort of someone who's like good not great maybe he's a good fiddle player but he's not a great composer of music and that it's this guy who's um you know feels trapped by his own mediocrity feels trapped by just living in this shithole island in the middle of nowhere and then one day wakes up and decides that to to blame all of his failures on his friend Mm. and that he's just this pseudo intellectual dickhead who thinks that who and yeah it's about like obviously depressed and stuff that he is just projecting all of this onto yeah colin farrell's character he wants an excuse to never be proved that he's not a good artist so yeah, he blames yeah, yeah. his friend and cuts his fingers off yeah 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 because yeah the cutting his fingers off is like ah i i could have been the greatest artist of all time mm. but you stole that from yeah me. and you you just wouldn't stop mm. and then obviously the um the scene where he um gets the century that mozart lived in wrong felt like you know the smoking gun of this mm. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. what i what i i my i'll say we'll probably talk about this a lot on the oscars episode so i'll i'll save mm. i'll save my 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 fun observations but what i liked about the ending and that last scene where they're staring out across at the mainland from the beach is like it's it's one of these these beautifully uh poetic endings where it's like the whole movie um Colin Farrell's character just wants to be, wants to spend time with his friend and is being rejected and rejected and rejected. And at the end of the movie, he basically, I interpret it anyway, is basically Colin Farrell saying like, you and I will do this forever because you wronged me. To, you gave, you slighted me so much that I, I will not stop till I've ruined your life. And uh, Brendan Gleeson's character the whole time is like whenever he's aggressive whenever he's an asshole I kind of like him more and I want him in my life more because it's it's interesting and it's explosive <laughs> and so the characters get what they want in the end because 
Brendan Gleeson gets a more interesting person to be the main figure in his life, and Colin Farrell gets to hang out with the guy that he wants to hang out with. Yeah, he, he just hates. He him. gets an antagonist yeah, in his life. Yeah, which, yeah, it's so brilliant. It's such and and like the 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 word banshee, I think, carries so much meaning here because it goes from being just oh, it's the name of the song to to this feeling of these these ancient gods that rule this island that are in constant battle for eternity. You know, <laughs> like that. That's why I think that's. I think this the the sort of mythical quality that banshees as a as an idea they're not exactly bad although they are screaming they're screaming at each other right so it's like they become the banshees of Inisherin that will scream at each other for eternity because neither of them are willing to admit what they need in, in their lives you know well it's interesting because actually i i think the one of the most brilliant things about the movie is that the worst things that are going on in the island are barely noticed or commented on mm. Um, that 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 this petty petty dispute between these two guys that is based on almost nothing and is entirely self-imposed and self-serving, um, they are like literally witnesses to and like in relationship with someone who is literally you know has sexually abused his own child mm. is in a position mm. of power as a policeman. No one's challenging that. They're all they all know about it. They're ignoring it. You've got this like woman who's literally playing death. <laughs> Um, and she's the closest thing to a banshee yeah, yeah, in the yeah. movie. Um, and, and she's kind of, you know, foretelling doom and stuff. And they're all just going like, stop distracting me from what's really important here. Mm. And it's like when you, and thinking about like the obvious allegory of the Irish civil war yeah, and what's going awesome. on with Irish and, and what has happened in Irish history and all the things he's saying about that within the, it's just so brilliant how multi-layered and how it absolutely works on every level yeah. that you want to dig in and if you just want to see it as a a buddy drama comedy like you know and, and interpersonal relationships you can watch it at that mm. and then every layer you want to go down you can get there yeah. and it's just, uh, it's the more you think about this movie the more you talk about it it warrants yeah, the conversation mm. i i will say that the i don't know too much about like the irish civil war but the the only like negative review of this film i read was someone just being like oh the metaphor of the civil war is just so fucking over the top um and so i was like you, you know i get that if you probably if you know about it and this sort of thing of like you're saying about this really petty argument between two sides and that will just go so on much, forever so we'll go on forever there's so much worse things happening i think that it probably is just you, you know if, if you know a lot about that you're like yeah I'll, I'll, this is super obvious but I, to me i was like i i assume this is what it's about but i just don't know much yeah AJ, you saw Wendell and Wild. It was all right. I watched it um, a little bit stoned, so according to your guys' rules, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wasn't as moved by it as I... It's as, only for Lindsay Lohan movies. <laughs> mm. I wasn't as moved by it as I was hoping to be, and I think that might be a Henry Selleck thing, the director. It's I, just the Henry Selleck, Selleck style, baby. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I feel like... It's a movie that, like, I love all the, the chess pieces on the board, but then the actual game is mm. like ah, oh, weird that you'd make it about this. Like, weird that you'd take the story in this direction. Um, so, mm. yeah. um, well, another stop-motion animated one. Uh, do you might have more to say about Del Toro's Pinocchio? Yeah, uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, I think that there is a lot of fun to be had in setting Pinocchio in during, I think it's, was the rise of fascism before World War Two or something like that? And like, there's some great stuff in it. It's it's definitely more a movie. <laughs> there's lots of fun to be had in the rise of fascism. Well, there's, lo well, there's lots yeah, of. This is the third Guillermo del Toro movie about it, right? <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's i think this is a movie that is a lot more pleasing to look at than it is to necessarily follow the story or anything and i'm sure there's right. going to be some diehards who who hate that i've said that but like i don't know it's just a re- the the stop motion is like beautiful and the character mm. models the literal models are so there's just something about them where every character is just so pleasant to look at and fun <laughs> um and and i liked that about it um what i will say though is i reckon like jiminy cricket or he's called sebastian in this is like mm. he's rendered such a pointless character in this movie because uh he gets stuck with geppetto not pinocchio when pinocchio goes missing mm. and it's oh. like well geppetto and and the cricket are the same character if, you if you're if they're together you know like there's no point in having like the surely the cricket is geppetto's presence in pinocchio's life as he goes off on his own because he's supposed to be his conscience right and in the, at this it was just mm. like i don't know if it works if you just put these characters together <laughs> But is that is that the point he's trying to make though? Is that like, like without without conscience? <laughs> no, no, it just okay. it just feels like he renders the character pointless, basically. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. This was one that um I uh, listening back to our Patreon sample pack, I felt a similar thing where um we I did with like not another teen movie, where I'm like, Oh, this film's hilarious and then I get to a point where I'm like Oh, I can probably just end now, can't it? Yeah, I I kind of wasn't that crazy about this. It, like, it, it, it's very funny. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, it is at the start, like you just said. I don't know. I just I just think that it it um it doesn't the the it's because it's funny or die, and like a lot of funny or die movies, it's like hmm. this is a very uh, limited plot scope that has been stretched out to an hour and a half and again similar to my um take on jackass forever um Mm -hmm. my dog shit take on weird the al yankovic story is like ah, i kind of want to know what really happened (laughs) (laughs) i I maybe would have preferred i maybe would have preferred if this was just genuinely a biopic about weird al yankovic's life i don't know if i appreciated the like left turns it takes and it goes to they go to what they go to like columbia and he fights drug lords yeah, i didn't stuff. like that stuff i don't but, um... it's just it's just like like you can embellish it and make it a bit silly but at the end of the day like i kind of did want to know the actual rise to to fame that happened mm. but it's just it's a it's a funny or die sketch and it's just really long <laughs> yeah it's like the, it, it is very funny and it yeah i yeah black panther wakanda forever we've already spoken about you didn't see it jeremy i did not no um it's good i envy you jeremy you've you've ducked out of marvel completely i figured that you guys will always take take the lion's share of marvel anyway so we're good (sighs) yeah um yeah check out our thoughts on that um but it's probably the best marvel film this year it's probably the best marvel film of all time (laughs) you know we're moving on uh the (laughs) fablemans jeremy you just just watched this this afternoon what a good film what just man the the impression that i had just watching this movie is just of being in the safest possible hands of a filmmaker Mm. that you just know that whatever he puts in front of you is just gonna be so wholly made and conceived and delivered Mm. and i was just like I, i didn't know anything about it other than it was like kind of just a semi-autobiographical movie about steven spielberg's life and i was like yeah i'll sign up for that because it's steven spielberg but i didn't really have any expectations about what the story would be how closely it would huge and i just i was just so drawn in to the story the way it was told the characterization 
Michelle Williams, I normally am not a huge fan of, and she just served cunt. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but like she she blew me away. Like like her performance is so it's really interesting because she's playing this like nineteen you know, she's obviously playing a housewife from the nineteen fifties. She's riffing off of this kind of like the the actresses of the day, like Betty Davis, who were these big, like broad characters, you know, and and somehow she gets away with it, like she she imbues it with humanity and meaning, and she's essentially like in terms of what she does in the film, she's a bit of a villain, really. But I mean, I think the script, but also her performance, imbue her with a humanity that you can't help but empathize with. Mm. Um, and you, I just think you empathize with everyone. Like it's just, it's so yeah. I just don't really know how to describe why I liked it. It's just everything. Yeah, I, I, I think AJ feels the same way. I didn't love Michelle Williams and Paul Dana on this film. Um, I know that they're getting the lion's share of the praise for this film. Oh, I don't like, think that they're the best. Yeah, I, don't, I actually yeah. think that the kid. I thought he was very good. Hey, he's amazing. Um, I will say, it's funny, a funny experience I had with this film is that I didn't watch the trailer till after I've watched the film, and I was now having to review it for the news. Um, and then I watched, so I was like, "Oh my god, this film's amazing!" I've been telling people, "Oh my god, it was amazing!" Like, oh, really interesting. And then the day I was cutting my review for it, I watched the trailer, and I was like, "This film looks like shit." It's, a, it's <laughs> such a was, funny trailer because it's like witness the origins of steven spielberg watches the this harrowing tale of what it was like growing up jewish in the 1950s and discovering his love of film and mum brought home a monkey oh this i gotta see <laughs> oh wow oh, yeah it's um i will say and then the like no subtlety whatsoever it's just yeah. in the, the trailer entire, and it's like what is this movie when the Why entire charm of this movie really is the subtlety of everything like everything's just so like perfectly underplayed it's not overwrought it's yeah. it's really well, good. i i think the the opening 20 minutes of the film is the what i feared the worst and what having watched the trailer i would have thought was when it's like this kid you know with the train and everything like that and i was like yeah this film is is trite this film is trash this film is so self-indulgent and then when it when it ages up then when there's a time jump it's fucking amazing from then on um it's also this is probably the funniest spielberg's ever been which is interesting because it's like you know this the most sort of realistic time in his life and i saw an interview with him where he talks about how like you know, we didn't set out to make a funny film, but it's you're reflecting on those sort of moments that you maybe wish at the time you wish didn't happen, and then looking back, go that's pretty funny. Um, but there's like some like there's one right at the end when he talks about when he's talking to like the bully, and he says, "I will never tell anyone about this oh, unless I grow up and make a film about it, which will never happen." <laughs> and it's it's such a funny line that's like would be in a this this would make sense in the weird al yankovic movie yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. it's like um and then following on from that the best scene of 2022 um in john ford's office is just uh, yeah a, a fucking phenomenal scene david lynch playing john ford and it's like i almost don't even know how to describe why it resonates with me so much but this idea that you know meeting his hero and being like what kind of advice can you give me on how to become a filmmaker and all the advice you get is if the horizon's at the top of the picture it's interesting if the horizon's at the bottom of the picture it's interesting if it's in the middle it's boring as shit and i get the fuck out of my office that it's like 
and but just have that be this deeply deeply profound moment in his life because i've i've seen spielberg tell that story in interviews like it's a true story um and yeah but then that's that's just what becomes your your life um and then the the final shot of the film adjusting the horizon is like one of the best things i've seen in cinema all right you ready for AJ's dog shit opinion on this movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like. I thought it was fine. I didn't really. I I really like the last scene, and I agree with everything you've said there, Richard. But like, I don't know. I I've I don't know if I enjoy new Spielberg as much. I really didn't like West Side Story, and I only enjoyed this like marginally more than West Side Story. I think. I think it's a it's a weird plot for a movie because I thought it was going to be about like his, him falling in love with the film it's more about seth rogan banging his mum and it's like oh, okay i didn't know that that mm. this was the direction the story was going in um i don't know i i thought i just i a lot of it i was sort of just waiting to get through it um and I, that might have been because of where and when i watched it and i sort of just yeah. watched it in my lounge and it was like oh yeah cool. I, I will say on like what the film's about i'm doing quotation marks there okay. for you, um that from from Spiel, this is what spielberg said about it that it's like there's a moment in everyone's life when they realize that their parents are just people and he said sometimes you know you'll be 45 and your parents are 65 when that happens and he says that for me it happened when i was 16 and this is that story mm. yeah that's cool yeah. i i that's cool greatest filmmaker of the generation <laughs> I, I think that um i also yeah as you said i didn't i i didn't mind michelle williams as much i thought paul dano was terrible in this. <laughs> like his performance feels it just doesn't sit right with me it's a lot of him sitting there slack jawed with his mouth like a perfect gaping circle he wasn't given a lot and, to be fair and and like or or he's doing like a gee whiz wow oh and i I just didn't feel authentic at all and maybe it is and i again like i'm 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 the type of person who when i don't resonate with a very popular movie i go okay i'm wrong (laughs) (laughs) so like i'm what and and just what i'm saying there is like there is probably depth to this movie that i just haven't plumbed you know and and maybe if i were to watch it again or watch a cool video essay on it or something like that it probably would mean more to me but i'm I, i guess i should stop saying i didn't like movies and start saying something like i need to watch it again or I, or I to, don't appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, or, or I need to learn more about it. I'm a big it. stupid idiot. Yeah, or I'm a big fucking moron with a big head and a big butt, <laughs> and I like to kiss my own I like butt. To kiss my own butt. <laughs> um, I yeah, I think um, what you described about Paul Dameron because I didn't like his performance really either. But I kind of think that's every Paul Dameron performance is a little <laughs> bit like what you described. Um, I think that's what it's he was just like we've seen enough of him that we're just like, oh wait, you are just weird looking, and that's not an like, act. That's, like Paul Dameron creeps me out as an actor everything i see him and i find him creepy it's probably because of like prisoners but i mean Leah, the what you described he's doing that as the riddler you know when he's like gee williker is batman like yeah um, yeah the classic line from the batman yeah um yeah i don't, I don't know that i'm on board fully with paul dano as an actor and, but it, it, it's like an aj thing where it's like i i'm guess i'm wrong but it's i think he's perfect because the the whole problem with the father character is that he's just like an earnest guy who's trying to do the best he can and he's he yeah he's he's a a wimp he knows it it's okay he's a genius and like he is in awe of michelle williams character 
um, because she's this like free spirit, free spirit butterfly. This and and he just can't believe that he's able to hold her in he's his hand. Gross caterpillar, you know. It, well, and and like and and she resents. She could never fall for a guy like him. And and well, apparently she did because this is like man, like I'm like glad Steven Spielberg's parents are both dead because like yeesh. Um, but You're glad I, Steven Spielberg's parents are dead. Why? Like I'm Such glad they didn't see this movie because it's pretty confronting. Well, it's be- like he said he's been trying to get this movie made for like 20 years or something like that. That like this idea, and then his his parents both died in like 2020 and 2021 or something. Yeah. And as soon as they like, not even fucking dead and buried yet, and he's like, cool, green light the movie, release, <laughs> release it, um, drop it. But I've I, got I've got receipts. It's funny. My parents <laughs> are dead. Drop it. Drop the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's interesting, AJ, because I think this is like one of the most true coming of age movies that I've ever seen because you literally see the moment where he comes of age like the moment that he's editing the film and he sees what's going on with his mother is like mm. it's the loss of innocence right it's yeah. he's now no longer like the kid the plucky kid who's like trying to impress people by making movies and being good at stuff he's now like I now carry adulthood like I now yeah, carry yeah. adult responsibilities and like and then you know he and and he goes through that stage of going like I can't make stuff anymore I can't make art anymore because it's not fun mm. you know and then he realizes there's more there's more reasons to make art than just fun like you've got you know you make it because you want to impress someone you make it because it can make you money you know all this so like I just think there's I I thought it was really cool showing how nuance comes into life as you get older and as you you know mature yeah Richard. What the hell are we going to talk about on the Oscars episode, dude? I feel like we have just had two very in-depth discussions about two of the front runners. Yeah, maybe we'll. Um, I don't know. We got to we'll find a new Aaron's, angle. <laughs> we'll just get Aaron's thoughts. You don't really need to talk about Spirited again, do you, Jeremy? Absolutely not. So she said this. Like, I think at the in the most anticipated, I said, "Well, this will be like an obvious Oscar one." Uh, it's completely fallen out of the conversation. It's. Um, yeah, the movies, it's this idea of like Hollywood being like, look what we did. Look how. It's the Harvey Weinstein how we got, story. Yeah, right? it's the Harvey yeah. Weinstein story. Look how we got rid of them. Look how great we are. The idea of Hollywood telling that story makes you feel icky. Nothing in the film ever got rid of that feeling for me. And then I was like, ah, like, do I just find the story so icky or whatever? So I, I, I read the book to be like and the book is so much better the book is just like oh this is a good recounting of facts and i think that the movie and maybe it's like you know something like all the presidents me and i might be, might be more interested in because it's similar story even spotlight that it's like i didn't know that much about those stories whereas i feel like this story just because it was i found it interesting and like i i'm interested in movies so the harvey weinstein scandal was one that i followed more closely and i and i lived through it as well that i was like well yeah this is just the information you got given but yeah. i think that certain people will resonate with obviously and i think the the most interesting thing about it was that this was just two working mothers who took this guy down um, yeah. it's also interesting i think like if you think about if bombshell was a docu-series that was made by fox mm. um yeah. like you'd kind of probably have that same ick factor of just like oh you're a bit too close to this to be able to make yeah. the defining thing yeah and it is like what's the answer like do we just never tell the story in hollywood or does it need to be like even if it was a tv series i probably feel better about it Mm. but um yeah this this was one of the only junkets that i've like been bumped from this year that i like um they said oh you might be able to do this and then i ended up not being able to 
And it was like, I felt this responsibility to ask that question, to be like, how, what's the answer to this? Um, I didn't get to ask it. And on the like sort of generic answers that you are given as like part of the press kit, it wasn't in there because they didn't want to advertise people asking that question. So yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, the menu, this was a film. I just, you know, a lot of people are just stumbling across this. When I came back from my holiday, um, people would say, oh, have you seen? And I would go, the menu? And they go, yeah, how did you know? Oh, the other film I watched is Glass Onion. Yeah, how did you know that? It's like everyone wants to talk to me about these two movies <laughs> that they just stumbled across. Yeah, now the menu is is good fun. The less you know about it, the better. Um, just go and have a good time. Bones and all, um, uh, Luca Guadagnino, who did um, Call Me By Your Name, which is one of my favorite films, reteaming with Timothy Chalamet. Bones and all, it's a lot more um, like full frontal with the cannibalism that I thought it was going to be. I, I, like it's um, it's a cannibal love story, and um, and it didn't start Amy Hammer. I mean, come yeah. on, if you're going to reteam with <laughs> it's, someone, it's a second from... <laughs> time playing a um, playing against a cannibal. <laughs> Only this time they're pretending to be a cannibal. I think Amy Hammer might have been pretending as well. <laughs> this makes it... yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yes it's a good film it's um it's it, it blends the genre as well because like a road movie coming of age movie romance movie and a cannibal horror and it sort of does all of them quite well nice mark rylance specifically is um really creepy in it also he was really good in a film called the phantom of the open which we i didn't write down but that was a good movie that came out this year strange world this is a hard one to talk about because it's pretty unnotable right aj <laughs> i say we don't talk about it for that long and just say my opinion on it is probably about the same as the is the average opinion on it um hmm. i thought it was okay and not not great is this the animated one that apple yeah. keeps telling me to watch because i have children uh it wouldn't be apple it's um disney oh sure disney plus yeah um yeah it's like disney's flagship animation film this year but um just no one saw it. Apparently it wasn't advertised very well, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we, AJ and I went to go see it together. It's, it's the most, here's a nice thing to say about it. It's the most authentic and organic a gay character has ever been written into a Disney kids film, I think. Yeah. So yeah, good on them for that, I guess. And then they don't promote it at all. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. on you, Disney. <laughs> um, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Mm. So, I would like to uh, lead a discussion on this. So this is currently my number one of the year. I saw it in at, during the week it was playing in cinemas. Yep, I, I managed I managed to get along to it. Um, absolutely loved it. I I love it enough that uh, I don't know if I prefer it to Knives Out or not, which is a cool place to be. I think because mm. I, I loved Knives Out. Um, I think upon reflection, I think maybe the story and the location is more interesting. But I wonder if the characters in Knives Out are more compelling um and and so that's sort of where i'm sitting on it but one thing i want to say um i have this memory of I, d I don't know if this was on a disappointing episode it probably was but i remember when we were talking about ni the first knives out and jeremy one of the things that you talked about was how you thought that it was a mistake for daniel craig to be doing this accent and it's terrible and it's while it's a fun film uh he's not pulling it off and etc etc and you wondered i remember on our, our episode we did on uh dead actors who'd be perfect for roles that came out after their deaths you said uh philip seymour hoffman would have been a better benoit blanc mm -hmm. um he's, he's nodding everyone great job jeremy nod <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> yes yes um, and the sorry it's just that you're talking directly to me rather than <laughs> <laughs> um, i think that with the uh sort of the 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 big 
the 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 chokehold that glass onion has on the zeitgeist at the moment i think this justifies daniel craig's crazy decision to do that accent because i think that that this character he's playing now has with with the addition of this movie i think it's become way more iconic and i couldn't see it being any other way now and i think the cartooniness Mm. of it is going to be become like a cult a pop cultural touchstone I think. Yeah, I mean, in, in, up as do the voice. Yeah, in yeah. Glass Onion, in Glass Onion, it moved to camp. Yeah, sure. Mm. Whereas I think the the first movie was a lot more like down. It, the first movie was more like down the line. What's how am I trying to say this? It, it was like it was self knowing, mm. but it wasn't camp. Glass Onion is camp as all hell. Yeah, like cool. Glass Onion is Kate Hudson. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, whereas Anna de Armas is like, like the id of Knives Out. Like she's the audience surrogate who's mm. like... Slipstream. <laughs> what? Yeah, she's the <laughs> slipstream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and I think that uh, Knives Out is just an altogether more kind of serious film. Mm. It's very funny and yeah, it's very yeah, right. satirical and it makes it makes really good... Whereas Glass Onion is just like... The it's, apotheosis it's, Well, that. Glass Onion is... Is knives out gone on a Greek holiday? Yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 they sort of all bits are off. It's less tightly wound, and it's just more camp. And I think that Benoit Blanc, Benoit Blanc, <laughs> Blanc, Blanc, um, <laughs> Benoit Blanc. Um, I think Benoit Blanc is is altogether more camp, and you know, that has nothing to do with the fact that he's revealed to be in a relationship with Hugh Grant. Mm. Like I just think in his whole characterization, and so I would well, say he that an escort. Here. Um yeah, I'd say you're right. Like I think the accent fits him better. It doesn't right. nice. it doesn't seem like an artifact mm. in this movie. It just seems like he's sort of wearing the skin a lot more comfortably. Yeah, and, and this is how uh iconic characters are made, I think. And I, I think yeah. you know, there are going to be a dozen knives out mysteries at least, right? And I think that we're going to just enjoy that over and over again. I think I think it's going to become potentially quite an important uh, character in you know in 20 years we'll look back and and consider him mm-hmm. like a probably more important than his run as james bond to be honest um, <laughs> i i love this i i love the i it's it's a movie where um where the first sort of before the the big upset in the narrative i was like what is going on here like i'm not sure if i'm on board i'm not sure where this is going and then the like the the time what sort of does a flashback and etc etc as soon as that started happening i was like ah this is the movie right sorry yes Mm. of course of course like the sort of plodding was setting up of course of course of course and i really loved it i loved i loved the ending i thought that um the the imagery of someone smashing all these glass sculptures is like such a beautiful uh example of rebellion like it's it's kind of meaningless and miles braun doesn't really care that she's doing it at first and i i kind of loved it it felt like you were airing your frustrations out i love the whole mona lisa thing i think that's a brilliant thing to to set up at the start and then uh, yeah I, th- I thought that was great um and the the craziest thing for me is i saw this movie maybe a week after elon musk bought twitter 
And it was like, as soon as it starts becoming clear what the social commentary is, I was like, holy shit. (laughs) Brian Johnson, you have lucked out, bro. Because he's gone on to say, like, it was more of a Mark Zuckerberg pastiche. But it's like, that doesn't, he doesn't get to say that now because it's like. It just just drops into this cultural moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think it's so brilliant. I think it is. It is so funny. I think that the that um Edward Norton, we talked about this recently, Richard, that I think Edward Norton is so good in it because it's like Edward Norton's okay with playing like a guy that doesn't know he's an idiot. <laughs> like that feels eerily close to the bone for what I know of. Not that he's an idiot necessarily, but that he's a bit of an asshole. And like, I don't know. I just think everyone's so great in it. Um and yeah, I mm. I'm I'm running out of steam because we've been talking for four hours, but really yeah. loved this film. I do think with um, yeah, it, it's fantastic, and Edward Norton's fantastic in it as well. But I do um, with the, the Edward Norton thing. I think I wonder if he's growing out of that maybe, and is more willing to accept these kind of fun roles where he makes fun of himself a little bit. But yeah, we can move on. Uh, Matilda, oh, the well, musical. Also, uh, I would just say like I definitely like Knives Out better than Glass Onion. I walking out of the cinema, I was like Glass Onion's better. Um, now I'm not so sure. I think that um, someone mentioned that it was like I saw online that someone said like just how cozy Knives Out is. Well, because like, Knives Out is I think has a lot more discipline as a film. Yeah, right. So you really feel how incredible the mystery and how intricate and detailed mm. everything is. Whereas in Glass Onion, it's a completely different film. Like it's not like yeah. Glass Onion isn't actually a murder mystery. Like it in in, in that sense, it's it's, it's really the um i saw someone talking about the fact that it's actually like the the um the big mystery of glass onion is essentially how the Chekhov's gun of the mona lisa like override switch is going to get used like <laughs> and um, i don't know and, i think and, that's and, a disingenuous and, take on no it. but like that, that that's the, that's really the ultimate movies. reveal at the end of the film is yeah. actually like how, what what ends up happening there and yeah. like and i think it's perfectly used and it's wonderful mm. i really love it so i'm not using that as a critique of like i think this makes it yeah. terrible just on um no like the thing of a glass onion but not being a murder mystery but knives out was the the actual thing that I thought Knives Out was an almost perfect film and I thought AJ was overhyping it to hurt my feelings is that I the thing that I that put me off of Knives Out first is that it wasn't a murder mystery we're told very early on oh he killed himself and then yes. and then everything else and then I was like well and and so I, I, I don't know I felt like betrayed that we knew that so early and that was the thing that then just for the rest of Knives Out I was kind of thinking like am I okay with that and then I need to watch it again I, I only saw but it then once. finding out the end that actually yeah, yeah, there, was there was someone who was trying yeah. to murder him was it brilliant like yeah. that that's what made it so great is yeah. that it like double bluffed you but it was that that bluff in the middle that I just never quite got my head around how I felt about it and I think right. it, you know watching it again um would help but yeah, yeah uh, i think we can we're very long recording session we've recorded this all in one session just <laughs> for the record i haven't had dinner and it's it's 11 30 in the evening <laughs> one of the longest recording sessions i think we've ever done other than um rocky but um matilda the musical version you saw that Jeremy? yes um woefully misjudged tone um oh, really interesting. yeah i is that, love is that a, mu- a thing of the musical or is this in the adaptation it's it's of the whole thing so yeah. i love the book loved it since i was a kid loved the original movie from the 90s love the musical yeah and so i was like this is my jam like mm-hmm. i love all of the source material for this um they a couple of massive problems um they cast um so in in, in the uh stage show uh 
they they always cast a man playing Trunchbull, um, and it gets the Roald Dahl tone of it right because you get the kind of like hulking physicality mm. and the th- sort of threat of a man playing a woman. Mm. Um, but you also get the inherent silliness of yeah. the pantomime aspect of like the pantomime history of a man playing a woman yeah. on stage. And so the Trunchbull is both intimidating and grotesque by just the characterization of it being a man playing a woman, um, but then also inherently silly. And in casting Emma Thompson to play it, I think she's so aware of the fact that normally this role is played by a man that she kind of has to like really amp up kind of the threat of her as an actress. Because you know this, it was Ray Fiennes originally was cast. And then um, I I actually think it was kind of part of the um, George Floyd like... um, white people shouldn't play people of color they're, they're like all these castings were being looked at that i think just quietly they recast it with oh uh, yeah and so i think that's where like the art kind of suffers due yep. to this because she i think then feels like she has to play up the threat of trunchbull so it actually becomes kind of a horror movie uh, <laughs> rather than there being an inherent silliness which is Roald Dahl always manages to tread the line between true awfulness and somehow making it seem charming and funny as well and that's why children love Roald Dahl so much Mm. because there's it's it's a bit magic and so because of that I think the movie really suffers um Matilda is also cast really poorly she's an amazing singer and actress but I think she just in the way that she looks she has quite a mournful sad look to her face and Matilda is very joyful she's very she's a genius and she's amazing and they really play up the genius and amazing part but also Matilda is meant to be a very happy joyful child and that's what makes it okay that she's suffering all these problems and so without that inherent joy you just get a movie where you're like this child is being literally abused by all of the adults in her life and she has to save herself and that feels awful so yeah Matilda like some of the um the big musical numbers were done beautifully and really well all the children were incredible there's a kid wearing a terrible fat suit so if they're going to cast authentically they should have actually cast a fat kid um but other than that um yeah i, I didn't like yeah. it um all right one that, that this is gonna be the last big conversation uh avatar the way of water we thought it would never come out it did come out um you know what i thought it was fucking great <laughs> yeah i liked it um i i let myself get into it because it was after all the discussion and discourse over the last 10 years that or however long it's been like it really feels like there was a camp of people who wanted to hate this movie and as far oh. back as like the disney acquisition of star wars i remember being like i don't want to hate hype movies coming out so i decided like i was gonna get on avatar's wavelength um and i yeah i really liked it i think it's (laughs) thank you Um, i really liked it i think i have i have a couple of issues with it but overall um i thought it was incredible i thought um that sigourney weaver playing a teenager was great i i I didn't realize (laughs) it was her for so long and i was like which which character is sigourney weaver playing in this again and then as the movie went on i was like Oh, it's the fourteen-year-old. That's oh, the one like... who sounds like Sigourney Weaver. Well, I didn't even—I didn't really <laughs> notice that, I guess. But I—I—I I, I, I really liked it. I—I I, I think um, one interesting thing about it is that I think this is what happens when a movie is in production since before all the casting authentically stuff we were just talking about, and so <laughs> that's how uh, someone like Kate Winslet can end up playing the the face tattooed uh, tri- tribal, tribal leader, tribal uh, the wife of the the, the chief. It was like. 
I don't think that would happen now. And I think it would be very wise. But it is actually. also funny that it's like, well, these tribes aren't real. No, but they're <laughs> yeah, heavily yeah, yeah. based. They're borrowing he, so And much he's literally from, said, I based this yeah. tribe off of the Maori people. And and, and Cliff Curtis. He is, told, well, he, he told me something different when I spoke to him. <laughs> it would, true story. Um, he It's not based specifically, but it, it's Pacific cultures. Um, not, sure, not just but Maori. none of them white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Cliff yeah, Curtis. Yeah, but if I just was, let you say that, Jeremy, I wouldn't have pointed out that I spoke to James Cameron. Yeah, yeah. This, this is the first time you've ever been able to flex. Well, when I talked to the, you know, the, the director, the, yeah. the director of uh, two of the highest grossing films of all time. <laughs> and yeah, and, and Cliff Curtis plays the, the chief. So the other one, yeah. It's all it's already like, well, you you, you clearly mm. you had some thought when you did this. Um and I think it's I think it would be wise to recast that character. I guess they probably already filmed it, but like it just mm. feels like a standard from a different time. Because even like Avatar, where it's like like the main character is in a wheelchair, feels like ah, maybe you should have cast a character an actor who actually is in a wheelchair. So yeah, I, th- I just thought that just thought that was a funny observation about it, and I know the the critiques I've heard that I've agreed with are about that are about how like the the, the yeah. thing about Avatar is like I I have my like minor quibbles with it, but it's one of those things that it's like I'm trying to find the right like metaphor for it, but it's like um well simile I guess that it's like you know you go on like the, an incredible holiday, and it's like oh, you know, like, how was it? And it's like, oh my God, it was it was fantastic, the whole thing. And they go, yeah, but remember that time you had to wait in that really long line? And it's like, yeah, but like, the whole holiday was incredible. I don't like care about that. You're like, all of all of my quibbles of, with this film are so minor that I'm like, the rest of the film was just so spectacular. And it was like, I didn't think that I was like a spectacle person. I didn't think that I mm. could go to a movie that like this and just be wowed by the spectacle. Because like I, I'm, I am so not precious about seeing films on the big screen or seeing it on the biggest screen possible, mm. other than for the fact that it forces me to pay attention to it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, with with this, I was like, yeah, I'm so glad I saw this. I mean, I saw an IMAX, and I hate the IMAX cinema in Auckland, but I'm glad I saw it on a big screen. Mm. And you know, there, there's a lot of talk about all this culture and like the way James Cameron tells these stories, but it's like, it's I feel like for so long it's been like well let's not just talk about james cameron as a great action filmmaker and then now i'm like no like let's talk about him as an action <laughs> filmmaker because he's fucking amazing yeah, at it. yeah i thought that the the when the final act started and it's this incredible mm. like ongoing action scene i thought to myself as it started i was like oh where has this been for the whole movie like this is what i felt the whole movie was missing and then that final act is 80 minutes long so i was like well i guess i didn't get a full movie of of what i wanted in the end (laughs) yeah i uh did not i i I guess i don't have the same glow around this movie as i as you guys i i and i went into it being like hey he totally blew me away with avatar i am ready like i'm i did not come into this movie cynical and or like wanting to not enjoy it i like i was like yep put my 3d glasses on let's go um i just it's just silly things in this film that i feel are silly. Like these blue, blue so people <laughs> no no but like silly it's not real there's a moment where the whale gets subtitles and it says i hurt and i'm just like no you didn't I- need to do that and it's like for me that's kind of like that's the sin of James Cameron is that he doesn't get when 
it's a bit much hmm. you know yeah, and, you need, and you need like the cosine of um james cash side that was a maths joke <laughs> You said it was the sun, like this. Oh, right. The wow. Or the tan. <laughs> I mean, the tan. And the, yeah. <laughs> We've been recording oh too long for this joke, right? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not picking that up. But I, I just, like, the, the, the family dynamic annoyed me. The fact that you've got, like, this, like, this trope of, like, the older brother who's perfect and then the younger brother who's, like, the trouble child. But, like, literally that, like, everything that goes wrong with the family in the movie is the fault of that one brother. It's just he's like... The, he's the oh, man, I, like, oh. I thought the kids were probably the strongest part of the film, except for... No, 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 like I mean, Spider. Except for like, Spider. I, like I thought Spider the... sucked and shouldn't have been oh, in the Oh, my movie. gosh. And, but this is the thing. Like, Spider exists in this movie. And you're like, why? Yeah. Why is he here? Yeah. Like, it felt like they were very confused about what they were trying to well, he's, do. He's a that. plot device to set up the next... like Because there needs to be three more movies or whatever. But, like, but it feels like they either needed to do him and Quaritch. Is that his name? The, the villain, Quartich, Quartich. Yeah. they either like bond unexpectedly or they don't bond at all. And it felt like they were trying to do both at the same time. And yeah, and it, it tries to have it both ways. Yeah, yeah. And I it just too much time was spent with some of the characters. Like I just felt like the the teenage kid who's a fuck up. Like I, we spent too much time with him. I I was annoyed by him. The whole relationship with the whale because the whale could talk back to I him and somehow beautiful. he could understand. Genuinely, I, just, I thought that was the best part of the film. I thought, oh honestly, my gosh, so did I. Seriously, yeah. I annoyed so me, gorgeous. moved me, moved me, moved me, Jeremy. <laughs> the thing I loved, I loved the, really loved the mystery of Sigourney Weaver's character and how she was basically I hated like that. <laughs> you just worst you part get, of the film. Thought it was trying. You get like um. You get like for whatever reason, and she's this new, she's just like new evolution of an organism that's like more in connection with the rest of the world and the rest of nature than everyone else. And like that is something I'm like, oh, that makes me want to watch the next movie because I want to see what they're going to do with that. Like, so I'm I'm on board for big chunks of this. It's just that like, and also the fact that like the final set piece is like one boat. You know, like we've just got to like defeat the people on this one boat, and I'm like, no, you don't. There's a whole human settlement that like you can win this battle, but like you're nowhere near winning the war. Like, Oof, that's deep. Did you just come up with it? <laughs> um, I just yeah. It's and and then and then like the Titanic of it all with the sinking ship, and I just I don't know. I I felt I felt cynical about it. And I didn't want to feel cynical about it. And I well, then you shouldn't have. Well, yeah, why'd you, know, you do that? I can't, idiot? <laughs> I can't control. I can't control my feelings. Yeah. And then the wrong brother dies. It was just wrong annoying. Kid, Dad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, any final thoughts on Avatar? Anyone else want to get anything out? Wrong kid died. <laughs> I just and we took a little break from recording, and I explained the context of that to Jeremy. I've never seen Warcard. <laughs> um, so, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish. Um, AJ and I, you and I just recorded a um, Patreon episode about this. Um, this was my the, the opposite of disappointing for me. This was my biggest shock of the year. This is, oh my God, what a fucking incredible film. And this was like, I feel like I felt such a personal kinship to this film to be like, I need to spread the word that this is the greatest film of the year. And it's, while I am starting to get sick of memes about it, I, am, I feel so, because <laughs> I got to see this film quite early, that it's like, I feel so justified that like 
the rest of the world has latched onto it in the same way I did. It's your second one this year after Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Exactly. Oh, yeah. it took the world by storm, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, look, every woman I know over the age of 50 has gone to see Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Because of me. That's pretty much the year. I will uh, just want to mention that couple, a few films that if you're like, why don't they talk about this? They're not out in New Zealand. Oh, I, AJ, I did want to actually give you um, After Sun mm. played at the New Zealand International Film Festival earlier in the year. Oh, sorry. You just watched it, made you a better person. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to uh, have your little your opportunity to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I watched After Sun two days ago. Um, this was phenomenal. Like, this is like, uh, this is, I, I was looking at my top six films of the year. And with the, maybe not Skinnamarink, which is also on this list. Um, is, is, well, it's, it's, it's a 2023 film. Well, it's listed as 2022 everywhere else so i consider it a 2022 um but that that's that's not necessarily vying for first place but my top five are like after sun banshees of inner sharon um uh nope glass onion and i guess one that i'm forgetting which should tell me that it it doesn't need to be there i guess if i'm forgetting it (laughs) triangle of sadness is my fifth place I'll, I'll happily leave that in fifth place but the banshees of inner sharon nope and glass onion i loved all so much but in such different ways and mm. i'm looking at after sun and i'm like is this my favorite movie of the year but it's it, it's like activating a completely different part of my brain to glass onion that it would be ludicrous to compare the two but anyway after sun is incredible i highly recommend it uh it's very it's a very slow burn and a lot of the way i've sort of described it to people is like a lot of the story is told in between the story if that makes sense a lot of it's not really mm. like a lot of it's left up to implication or to like uh stuff that's that's in between the shots and it's just it's so expertly told and such a like enormously incredible film and I, I highly recommend it and also paul mascal is going to be a household name in a year or so so get in on the ground floor <laughs> um but yeah just uh films that you might be like wondering oh they left that out aren't out in new zealand yeah is um babylon women talking the whale empire of light and tar thankfully some of these are going to get nominated for oscars so we'll have something to talk about yeah i would say woman talking and tar i've i've i saw tar the other day um i would say about it that it's like a lot of the story of it is kind of told between the scenes you know like it's a lot about that's um, a stupid thing to say (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that, that any anything interesting about those films we'll talk about um for the most uh, the oscar season mm. um so that is 2022 what Whew. do we reckon what's the most disappointing film is that what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's the most Gemma film mrs harris goes to Paris. <laughs> um i would say i kind of think my most disappointing is the bubble <laughs> what what was i would say matilda's my most disappointing. What, okay well what, what was more. it what's in everyone's first place i guess that's probably more important uh, Scream and Puss in Boots. Nice. I'm glass onion currently, but that might change to After Sun depending on how I feel tomorrow. Mm. I think it's either for me the Fablemans or Banshees of Inisherin. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I think I forgot to talk about Ticket to Paradise. That sucked. <laughs> okay well glad you brought it up um thank you for listening everybody to our yearly wrap up let us know what you thought sucked 
about 2022 movie wise i don't want to hear about your own personal problems okay it's not that i don't want to hear about the queen dying (laughs) um if you enjoyed this podcast please consider following us on instagram and uh twitter and you can also join our discord which there'll be a link to in the show notes you can come talk to us uh and if you would like to donate head along to patreon.com slash cold popshire where you can give us all sorts of give us all sorts of money and get us to talk about all sorts of things uh including the post credit scenes which are coming at you after this music you're hearing now comes to a close we will be back next week with the i guess the most anticipated films i don't know what we're calling these episodes anymore i guess we'll find out along the way that's part of the magic of cinema i think it's working out how you want to package your feelings about them so tune in for that uh, and thank you so much for listening this has been exhausting and we'll see you next week Welcome along to the post credit scene. This is a segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard and Jeremy, who is it from and what is it? This one comes to us from Dylan Hutton, and I think this will be a pretty easy uh, answer for all of us um, because we just spoke, spoke about it. Uh, which franchise should go on we forever? We just with- spoke about it? AJ, I've been recording for five hours almost. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, which movie franchise should go on forever with infinite sequels? Knives Out. Knives Out. But with the same creative team, like has to be Actually, Ryan Johnson, has to be Daniel Craig. Fargo, the TV show. I I don't like that season five has been announced as the final season. Just don't announce a final season. It's such an anthology series, you can just keep making them. That's my answer. I'm going to say Fast and Furious because I think that the longer it goes on, the more ridiculous it will get. And how much more ridiculous can you get? Exactly. No, I, mean, I want to see how much more ridiculous. Turn around. It'll start getting really sincere. Well, Fast yeah, and Furious have to, like, will be nominated for an Oscar. They'll have to do like the James Bond of it all when someone's going to have to like take it back to its like gr- most gritty roots. And mm. yeah. DVD players. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones that I would actually like. Because I mean, even the MCU, if you said this is going to go on forever with infinite sequels, to me, I think, God, that sounds tiring. But like, yeah, something like Knives Out, I'm like, fuck yes. Even though AJ hurt my feelings with the first one. <laughs> and I'll do it again. You wait till the third one comes out. I'll ruin your fucking life. Dude. <laughs> <laughs>